Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's happening, Mike Schmidt, 40-year-old boy podcast? How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Is anybody alive out there? Let me ask you that question. And it is a question. When I frame it as a question, there's a radio show I listen to sometimes. You know, it's it's kind of disingenuous to say I listen to a radio show. There's a radio program that occasionally when I'm flipping through radio stations, it's on and I'll tune in. It's more of a host thing. His name is Mad Dog Russo. Uh, if you don't know who this gentleman is, he's a, he's a shouting fella who talks about sports quite a bit. But also, when you pivot... He has other interests in his life. I know you're thinking to yourself, a guy named Mad Dog Russo, clearly he's only a sports fan. Nay, nay, I drop on you. And I tell you that he has other things in his life, uh, aside from sports. He's a loving husband. He's a wonderful father. I don't know if any of that shit is true. I just know he's got a wife and kids. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that Mad Dog Russo is a loving husband and a terrific father. I don't know. Call his kid if you want the real skinny. Call Mad Dog Russo's wife. That's uh, Mrs. Mad Dog, I believe is what she goes by. Um, because I just read a weird sexist thing that was like, dude, listen, the internet has ruined everything. Right. And by that, I mean, it is just, it is shined a light on everybody. That's terrible. All the terrible people used to hide in the dark. Wasn't that fun? Never had to worry about the terrible people coming across your path. But now just with the swipe of a uh, thumb or the click of two fingers, uh, you're hearing all of their nonsensical ideas. And there's a, you know, there's like men's right activists and fucking incels and whatever weirdos who can't get any pussy. And so they, they, they try to control women with weird bullshit. And one of the things that I saw was this guy was, you know, and again, they always make these demands. Like they, they, they don't say there's no discussion. You know what I mean? These guys have never fucked anything in their lives other than their hand. And yet they, they still know everything there is to know about women and, and judge them. It's fucking bizarre. And they'll say this guy said uh, your your wife's name is Mrs. John Smith. And that's the name. Once you marry her, that's the name she should go by unless the husband gives her permission to share her first name. If he tells her it's okay, then she can share her first name with somebody. But until then, she is to be addressed as Mrs. John Smith. And uh, do you hear how you sound, you fedora-wearing fuck? Like, do you know what what you do? If you ever wondered why you're not fucking anybody, this is why. When you proclaim these ridiculous things, you draw you draw lines in the sand. Sand doesn't even exist. The line doesn't exist. I don't know what the fuck you think you're doing. They're ordering around these these girlfriends or wives they don't have. 
and they come to the table with all these fucking weird demands for people that they haven't even met yet. It's fucking crazy. You can have standards. You can think of what you like, but I mean, the whole point of meeting people is then you meet them and you kind of adapt and you see what they're like and you, you see if you like them and you hope they like you and it's a dance, right? Nobody just fucking shows up and starts fucking flamencoing on their own and says, hey, you got to dance the dance I dance. You got to dance everybody's fucking dance, you weirdos. Uh, and I know it's some reactionary bullshit where they're like, they don't get women, so they think they can tell women what to do, or they, they have to make up these arbitrary things to explain why they don't have women. Well, I couldn't possibly compromise my standards. Oh, fuck off. Are you kidding me, you idiots? If a woman batted her eyes at you, you'd just be like, you know what? Call yourself whatever you want. I'll be Mrs. John Smith. How about that? Let's go. Can I touch your hand? <laughs> Can I smell your hair? You fucking idiots. And, but the thing is that they're, and again, they all post under fake names. So whatever the fuck it's bullshit. I just saw some, and look, please don't fucking blame me. But on Twitter, there was some guy who's the king of the incels. And I know that sounds fucking weird. And by, if you don't know what incel is, uh, it means involuntary celibate. It means men who don't get laid basically is what it means. Uh, men who can't speak to women, men who, who fucking can't get their lives together enough to where they can share it with another human being. They're just fucking awful. And it's because they have these things where, like, you can't use your name, which, again, is so fucking stupid. You're not a circus trainer, you fuck. <laughs> but so there's, I saw this thing about, like, incel guys. And uh, there was one dude who's the king of the incels on, some, on the biggest incel forum on the internet. And there's a controversy raging because uh, he got a girlfriend. And so then he went into the incel thing and he's just kind of like, guys, sorry, man, uh, you know, I'm going to tell you, I, I can't be the leader of the forum anymore because I'm no longer an incel. I've found a lady friend uh, and, and you're not going to believe this. Uh, she smiled at me. Hey, she may have even winked. <laughs> and then everybody's like, and the best part is they, they turned on him like jackals. Like hyenas on a ham. They just started tearing the fucking guy apart. Oh, yeah, for this. And words, look, words that I hate, they'll say stuff like puss. I hate when, look, it's pussy, all right? Or whatever, trim, sniz, I don't know, run with whatever you want to fucking go with. But I hate when people say puss. Oh, I'm not getting any puss. It just sounds disgusting. Uh, or when something like a piece of pussy, you ever heard that? Hey, I haven't had a piece of pussy in a while. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? Just speaking like that indicates that you've never been even in the same area code as a vagina. I mean, what the fuck? And look, perhaps I'm being judgmental. I'm old. Perhaps this is what the young people do these days. They talk about a piece of pussy or a piece of puss or whatever the fuck. I, but I tell you what, because in the same breath, they're also talking about how they can't find any. So it's like, guess what? Maybe because you're using phrases like piece of puss, you fucking dumbass. <laughs> and I'm not really mad at these guys. I just I just feel it's funny. That's what they are. They're dumbasses. That's They're not even like I wouldn't even say these are terrible people. They probably are. But they've but they've, you know, they, they grew up at a time surrounded by the Internet and porn and men fucking bullying them and. And so they just decided to fucking lean into it. And they're all scared of women. They're all terrified of women and women trying to have their own rights or women standing up for themselves or women, you know, being exhibiting feminism or rallying to support one another or getting a job or going to school terrifies them because they can't subjugate them to do what the fuck they want. And uh, and then they wind up, you know, buying flashlights and naming them Amanda. <laughs> I mean, good for you, buddy. Uh, so this lead incel guy, he wound up getting a girlfriend and then he, he, they just fucking came after him. They're just like, oh yeah, you throw your friends overboard for the first piece of puss you see or whatever. And he's like, look, man, maybe you should find one. Then you'll know why I'm, I'm doing this. Clearly he like, he's, he's become this enlightened incel guy who's no longer an incel. Uh, he, I don't think he's even sell probably because if he found a lady friend, but then 
as the controversy raged. And please, by the way, I'm not looking this up. It finds me. It gets tweeted into my timeline. Uh, a writer wrote about it for Rolling Stone, and I, I read the article. It's it's not like I'm going to the insult forum and going, what's going on here today, gentlemen? Uh, so this dude, so then when the interview happened at Rolling Stone, they asked him, and he he's not really giving any proof about the girlfriend, kind of. And so now people are starting to doubt that he had as a girlfriend. And, and at that point, you know, actually at that point, I'm like, I can't. I can't even pay any more attention to this because... He comes along, says he has a girlfriend. They kill him for that. And then he's, you know, pulling that she lives in Canada. You wouldn't know her bullshit. And then they're all like, then they're like, ha ha. And I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck happened to this world. Why is this? And because, again, this shit used to happen in private. We never had to worry about it before. It was behind closed doors. It was locked up in a safe, in an incel safe, in an insafe. That's where it was. Uh, I don't get it, folks. I don't understand. And I'll tell you this, too. I, I've been cheated. Let's talk about that for just a second. I got cheated by the people at Pilot. And I don't mean the people who wrote Ho, 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 It's Magic, which is a song that you should go listen to just right now. I'll wait. It's about three and a half minutes long. Come back when you're done. Ho, 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 it's magic. You know, never believe it's not so. And now you're thinking to yourself, hey, I just went to listen to it and you're singing it. Why don't I just stay here and listen to you sing it? You're just as good as the band. <laughs> Although I might be now. I think I'm sure half of Pilot is dead, right? It was like 1976 that song came out. And uh, did I own the single? I don't think I owned the single. I think it was on one of my KTEL albums that had like all the radio songs on it. Um, along with the Muhammad Ali song, which is a fucking ridiculous song. And uh, what was the other song that was on there? Oh, uh, Life is a Rock, but the Radio Rolled Me. Go listen to that with a guy just saying bands' names are super fast. He was John Mashita before John Mashita was cool. Uh, who's cheating me, you're wondering? Well, I'll tell you this. The good people at Pilot. Uh, the pen makers, because I, as you know, I like the I like the Pilot pen. I gotta be honest, I can't decide now between the 07 and the 10. I think I liked the 07 best because I just looked through my drawer because uh, the pens that I keep on my desk have run out of ink. I've, I've exhausted their, their, their capacity to write. So I was like, well, I've got some in my other desk drawer because I have two desks because I'm an egghead. <laughs> I, work, I work at two desks, folks. So I just got my hand buried in my hair as I fucking burn the midnight oil. Uh, <laughs> so I went to get the other pens out of my other desk and I pulled them out and I have, I have this one right here. This is a package of G2s, and this normally had uh, five, and there's two of them left. I have not pulled them out, and these are the tens, okay? And I think these are a little thicker, a little bolder. But then I have this right here. Listen to this. That is a 12-pack of fine .7MM super smooth, longest-lasting, refillable pilot pens. And these have not even been touched. They still got the tape on them, right, on the, on the opening. So I was like, you know what? I'll bring these both out to the desk just in case. I'll figure out which one I like. Let's have the definitive test. What do I like more, the 10 or the 7? Uh, I hope it's the 7 because I got fucking 12 of these motherfuckers. So hold on. Can you hear this uh, swooping helicopter? Perhaps not. There's all sorts of fucking noises in my house these days. I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But uh, so I bring out the, the 12 pens and I bring out the tens and uh, I go to open the package of 12 pens. Now, look, by the way, these have been in a drawer in my house, in my other desk, as I've mentioned. Uh, Got to be at least five years, probably longer, just because I have other pens to use. I've got, look, man, I've got a surfite of pens, if that's how you pronounce that word. Surfit? Surfite? I have a lot of fucking pens is my point. So I didn't need to have these, but I will tell you this. I often, I was comfortable in the knowledge of the fact that I had uh, these hundreds of pens that I would never, I was never going to run out of pens is my point. I had at least, like I mentioned right here, I've got 14 pens staring me in the face right here on my desk, unused. 
So I open the tape on the pilot on the 12 deck and I uh, pull them out. And uh, folks, they've run dry. It says they're filled with ink. And I go to write with them, and uh, and and they just it does. There's no ink. It it like you know it rips the paper almost. It's so dry, and that's fucking unfortunate, right? Because I've got 14 of these motherfuckers, and I got shit to write. So I read, I Google it, and they're like, "Hey, here's a way to fix it." And it says, "Get a Q-tip and put it in the ink slot and push down, and then the ink will will jam loose or whatever the fuck." Uh, I'm here to tell you that doesn't fucking work. No matter how many times I have to do uh, an a Panama. I'm going to call it a penema. That's what I'm going to do right now. I'm comfortable saying that. I had to do a penema. I got to shove something up the ass of the pen and fucking make it work. Uh, nope. Now, I, I, they won't work. They won't write. And uh, and look, I only tried it on like five of the pens because I figure five penemas is enough before I go to jail. Uh, there were seven other pens that were left pen, animalous, penimalous. Uh, so I guess I'll try those, but it was those, it was just, I was so distraught after five pens didn't work. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Cause again, I was banking on these. These were my savings. I guess you'd call them. I, these were, I, this was my retirement plan. <laughs> these 14 pens. I was like, fuck it. I'll never have to buy a pen again. I got these 14 pens. I'm, I'm, I got ink for life. I will die and I'll still have ink to use. Bury me with these pens is my point. If I wind up dying, folks, I, I put it on you. I commission all of you. Make sure you tell Funeral Joe, hey, this guy's got pens. He needs stuffed in the box with him, uh, which is, of course, ridiculous, presuming I'm going to have a coffin. I may be like my mom, just that, you know, they'll show me in a cardboard box before they burn me into ash. Uh, so I, I don't know what to do with these pens. And now I'm frustrated because my other my two pens that I was using for the longest time are out. These right here, which I still click, but they are out of ink. And, uh, and so these, now I brought these 14 pens and I can't, I can't find a pen willing to step up and do the job, which is, uh, you know, I do. And I never think to yourself, how much writing do you do in a day? And it's like, well, I gotta be honest with you. I do a, a, a quality amount of writing. Um, when I bring you stories of the paranoid strain podcast, sometimes I have to, you know, make sure I know what I'm talking about. I'll take a note or two and something like that. Look, I'm getting old, man. Um, a lot of this shit just flies out of my brain pan, but sometimes I have to have the pings. I got to write what could be the name of the show. I've got to write all sorts of different things down. Take that to heart, folks. And who are you to bust my balls on pens? Fuck, who cares what I use a pen for? What do you care? I doodle. How about that? I draw a lot of seesaws and karate guys. <laughs> Sometimes I draw karate guys using seesaws. That's, that's how it works. You flip them around. You combine the two. That's how I handle it. So I don't know what to do about these pens, but I'm frustrated. Because I don't want to go buy pens. I don't need money. I just bought a car. I'm supposed to go buy fucking pens now? You know what? They should fill my car with pens. This is a bonus. Maybe I should call it the dealer. You'll hear all about that later. Uh, all right. Well, I'm here to give you plugs. This is just uh, the preamble, so to speak. Uh, there's a there's a whole show lying in wait that's going to come and explain to you a lot of different things. Um, but I'm just here to tell you that I have uh, I'm part of the Misfit Toys Co-op. Did you know this, folks? I am. Yes, I am. Please don't even don't try. Don't try to fucking think I'm not. We've got Never Not Funny. We've got Doug Loves Movies. We've got No Fun with Jen Kirkman. We've got The Todd Glass Show. We've got uh, What's in This Soup with Danielle and Christine. All of these are quality shows. Fantastic. We've got the, oh my gosh, My Friend's Crazy with Paul Gilmartin. <laughs> I don't think I don't think Paul's going to appreciate that description in the show, so let's keep that between you and I. Uh, or between you and me. Let's keep that between me and you. Let's keep it between us. 
Uh, please don't tell Paul. I said that is my point. Um, but but yeah, the yeah, the mental illness happy hour is of course our friend Paul's show. He's had all sorts of lovely talented guests, and he's also had scary people who would stab you. But there's nothing wrong with that. That's what you do. You, you uh, sometimes you lift the rock in the podcasting yard just to see the insects scatter, and you talk to them, and you start dealing with the soft white underbelly of society, and you do it in your own den, which is frightening. I would do it through Zoom. You know, I only deal with this, the the sick white underbelly through Zoom. I couldn't possibly do it in person. I don't want to do anything in person now. See that guy get choked out in the fucking subway station? What the fuck is going on? Look, all right, I'm just, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do this. Uh, if you didn't see it, it's a fucking homeless guy. And he's sad. And he's yelling in a, in a subway station. And I guess he's fucking yelling. He's hungry and whatever. He's, he's just yelling. He's fucking griping. And out of nowhere... This dude springs on him like a fucking spider monkey, like a gibbon, and pulls him to the ground and fucking chokes him out. But here's the thing. If you put a fucking... Like, I've watched... All right. If you know how to put on a rear naked choke, that means you studied it. Or you, you've, you've at least watched the UFC. You have a general idea of how, the, how it works. If you've ever watched an MMA fight and a guy does a fucking rear naked choke, you do it till the guy passes out or he taps. That's it. Tap or sleep. If the guy taps, you're done. Let him go. If the guy sleeps, you're done. Let him go. Generally takes, you know, a minute, maybe, if you've got it cinched in. This fucking dude, he chokes this dude out for 15 minutes. And I think another guy held his legs. And nobody stopped him. Nobody stepped up and said, dude, you know, enough. I think it's done. I think we're good. You know, he's no longer yelling about being hungry. In fact, he's having a nap dreaming about being hungry. So let him fucking go. And they don't. And he kills him. And even worse, the cops don't arrest the guy. And this is a fucking problem, man. And I know that sounds like a, a reduction of the issue, but but if people start to look at other people as disposable, we're going to have a lot of problems. And we're already there in a lot of instances. You want to talk about school shootings and mass shootings and guns and whatever the fuck. That's a whole other argument. I'm talking about the rhetoric being used by certain politicians and certain groups to make people seem as if they're less than or other than or not worth defending or even not worth fucking breathing. Trans people, black people, fucking gay people, uh, you know, homeless people, they're, they're treated as a nuisance and a problem to be solved or cured or exterminated. And it's it's dangerous as fuck. And look, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. And I'm not some fucking wisdom guy. I mean, what the fuck am I? I'm not a swami. Well, I know I know when I see creeping danger. I know when I see things start when I see turning points. And I think a guy choking a guy to death in a subway station and getting away with it and nobody calling it a murder. Everybody just saying he choked him out or he choked him this or he did this or he he, he you know solved a problem. He didn't. He didn't. He killed a guy. He fucking killed a guy. And I I don't want to go anywhere. <laughs> it, it, these stories of people shooting people when they ring their doorbells. That kid who got shot like two, three weeks ago, he got shot in the head ringing a doorbell. Just the other day, a little girl, you know, 13-year-old girl rings a doorbell at a guy's house and she's looking for a kitten and he pulls a gun. And he tells her to get away from the fucking door. And he's like, uh, and he says, next time you come back, I'll pull your hair. And then he posts it on Facebook like he's like he's telling 
like just like he's saying, yeah, this happened today. And then people are like, you're fucking insane, dude. And he's like, hey, man, I've had death threats in the field as a meteorologist. I, I don't know. So I carry a gun. And man, these are people just who can't wait to use their fucking guns. There are people who can't wait to choke out a guy because he yelled. And when we start making people nuisances or, or we start making people the enemy or the other, or we start making people into problems rather than human beings who need to be dealt with, it's, it's the slipperiest of goddamn slopes. And look, I, I don't even, I'm just, I don't know why I'm talking about it. I got no solutions. I got my, my solution is again, like I literally thought to myself here in LA, this just happened two days ago. I think people were street racing. This wasn't even in LA. I'm sorry. It was in Oakland. People are street racing and they're street racing past this guy's house. And I, and he didn't tell them to be quiet or whatever. He just kind of walked outside with an AR-15. And when people drove past his house, he just fucking started shooting. And he killed a woman who wasn't racing. She was just driving home. And he fucking shot her. And and the, the, did you see the dude who put the fucking, the gun to the meat, the guy at the meat department's neck and made him slice some steaks or some shit? And the guy's like, we're closed. And he's like, oh, yeah. And he put a gun in his face to buy steaks or chops or whatever the fuck. It's like, dude, what is happening out there? What, what? And, and, and people, you know, I've said it previously in this, just in this very broadcast, this probably happened before. We just never heard about it because we've shined the light on everything via the internet and things going viral. But I don't know, man, were there that many people threatening guys at the meat department to cut fucking pork chops, pulling it, pulling a fucking Derringer on somebody because they wanted a fucking cube steak. What the fuck is happening? And, and again, that's why I said, that's the mantra. What the fuck is happening? What the fuck is going on? Like, I don't have any answers. I wish I did. I wish there was some solution or I could say to you, this is all we should do this. But I mean, there are things that I think should be, you know, there's signposts clearly where we see things happening. And, and I mean, again, this, uh, <laughs> I've, I've shared with you before that I don't have a lot of hope. Uh, and I know people have, you know, pep talked me Jesuit as pep talked me. He's like, well, you know, in the 70s, they used to hijack planes and take them all over the place. And there was a gas lines and all the, and yes, things have been bad before they have, but now they're bad again. Like if things were bad before you would think they would fix it and then everything would be okay later. But no, man, they just got worse. They're worse and worse. Gas is over five bucks again here in LA. Uh, the homeless thing is ridiculous. I mean, they, they, people are just in the street everywhere. And, and I, I've, I've replayed that, I, that thing in my head because people always say, man, if there was a shooter, what would you do? Would you tackle him? Would you, you know, and you'd like to think you would do something to help. Uh, but in reality, you know, I'm, I'm, look, I would try to help women and children. I like to say this out loud and then I would try to get the fuck out of there. I don't think I'm charging a guy. I don't think I'm tackling a fucking guy. I've thought of it before in my brain where I'm like, would, would I take a guy out? Would I go after him? What would I fucking do? Um, but I thought about the subway station thing and, and the fact that nobody intervened, like nobody stopped this guy, nobody fucking. And, and I will tell you this. I have been in situations where homeless people were being scary uh, or completely inappropriate. I told you the biggest thing I've ever seen in person in my life was a guy who pulled it out and just started pissing in a curb and looking at people in the eye to kind of dare them to say anything. And everybody was just thinking, well, this guy's either going to fucking wheel on me with this fire hose or he's going to use it to beat me to death. So everybody just kind of looked forward and kept fucking walking. Nobody said a fucking word to the guy. And, uh, and I, I mean, I get that, you know, your first instinct is self-preservation, but 
But if it's a homeless guy who's being attacked, which he was, he was attacked. And yes, he was being intimidating and scary and yelling. And I understand those things. Uh, but he was attacked by a guy who then put him in a chokehold and and kept him there for 15 minutes. And were people just happy for the quiet? Were they just happy to read their phones while a guy died in a fucking subway car? Or subway station? Or whatever the fuck? I don't know. And 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 when we get to the point where people don't step up to say, hey, man, that's wrong. What are you doing? Because I, I like, to, again, I like to think of myself... I've thought the situation through and through, and I've thought if I was on the train, you know, if, look, he jumps him, he gets him in the chokehold, whatever the fuck, but after a couple minutes, I'd go, hey, enough, he's done, he's done, he's done, and I'd, I'd, I would pry the guy, because I know what a, a choke can do, and unless you were planning to murder him, you don't hold a choke for 15 fucking minutes, you just fucking don't. And I, I, in my brain, I think I would have either stopped the choke. And then part of me thought, what if I was the guy who was getting harassed by the homeless guy? Would I have it in me to go, hey, you're hungry? Do you want to eat? Come with me and we'll eat. And take him to have a fucking burrito or a sandwich or anything to, to, to make sure he's taken care of. And then after the fact, of course, now because this guy was murdered in a train station, uh, there are people defending it. You know, defending the guy to the chokehold, saying homeless people are scary and out of, out of control. Uh, and I hear that this guy's been arrested 40 times. And that's supposed to be justification for a stranger murdering him in the subway. Uh, because he's been arrested for loitering and for, I guess he punched a woman once in the, in the chest or something. Uh, these are all bad things, clearly. Uh, this man is mentally ill. He's down on his luck. Uh, he's having terrible issues in his own life. But then you want to get to the larger picture of, well, shouldn't there be a hospital he can go to where people can help him or they can take care of him instead of arresting him 40 times just to get him out of the street and out of people's line of vision? You know, it's it's when people are being treated as something that is ruining your beautiful view of the park and you send in people with trucks and dogs and fire hoses to throw away the meager possessions they've managed to accumulate and whatever shelters they've been able to cobble together and you sell, tell them to just fucking go anywhere but there, what do you expect other people, the general public at large, to think? They think that they're nuisances and they think that they're to be dealt with, not spoken to. And it's awful. And I think of that guy getting killed in a train. He was executed. I, I don't give a fuck. You'll never change my mind. Uh, if he was in his face and yelling, whatever the fuck, yes. You, you try to diffuse the situation. You try to do what you can to stay safe. You shouldn't be looking to harm somebody. And if you put somebody in a fucking chokehold for 15 minutes, you are absolutely looking to do harm to that person. And that's all well and good if there are consequences. But the fact that they, that this guy's free and he's not a murderer and doesn't look like, when I was a kid, there was this thing, there was a guy named Bernie Getz. Bernie Getz was on a train station and apparently, you know, five black guys came up to him. One of the kids asked him for five bucks and Bernie Getz pulled out a gun and just fucking started shooting. He shot all of them, shot everybody. And then he got arrested. They called him the subway vigilante and he went, he went to on trial and I think he, if I remember correctly, he was found not guilty. He got off. Um, Eric Garner strangled by police because he was selling loose cigarettes and you know he had no weapon but they put him in a chokehold and put him on the ground and he he couldn't breathe and they killed him and it just seems to be kind of happening and like i said maybe it's just because we have so many more 
media outlets or there's so much more national coverage or even micro national coverage. I would go that route. You know what I mean? You know, you used to watch the news in your house. It was 30 minutes and it was local news and then maybe a couple of world stories. But if I was in Illinois, I didn't know what the fuck was happening in fucking Colorado unless it was a gigantic bomb or a shooting event. But now, because there's cameras everywhere and there's all sorts of different ways to convey what the hell is happening and tell stories, uh, you're hearing about these micro crimes, these microaggressions throughout the nation, throughout the world. And they lead up to you being outraged and also feeling impotent because there's nothing you can do. I see these stories about the Supreme Court. Clarence Thomas was... It started out where he was friends with the billionaire. Then it turns out the billionaire was taking him on vacations. Then it turns out the billionaire paid for his mom's house. Then it turns out the billionaire paid for a private school education for some young man that Clarence Thomas was affiliated with. Now it turns out that there's a guy from, I believe, the Federalist Society who was paying Clarence Thomas's wife thousands, tens of thousands of dollars for consulting that she maybe never did. And he even said on the paperwork, don't mention Ginny's name. And this is all fucking horrifying. This is because the the Supreme Court was supposed to be the untouchable one. Everybody hates the president. You know, he's like the umpire in baseball. Boo, fuck that guy. Uh, And then everybody hates politicians because they're the faces of it. So the House and the Senate, boo, these politicians, these do nothing guys who vote for raises for themselves and eat freedom fries, blah. Uh, But the Supreme Court was always this kind of, they were untouchable. They were the arbiters. They were always the sane ones. And ever since they stole the fucking election from, from Al Gore and had five of the current nine justices installed by presidents who were not voted in by a majority of citizens. Um, They've left themselves completely open to all sorts of accusations and interactions with lobbyists that seem to be possibly not on the up and up. And again, please, I'm a podcaster at one of my two desks. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not the guy who knows everything. Uh, but I know what I'm seeing and it, and it it uh it it makes you feel as if nothing will ever be right. That the rich will continue to be rich and buy everything and not fucking care. And I know, look, Lily's not here to talk about her fucking capitalism and her rants. I told her I was banning it and now here I am talking about kind of the same stuff, but but a guy being murdered in a fucking subway station, again, like I said, I grew up, I saw it. The guy was arrested and went on trial. Was he found not guilty? He was, but at least there was an outrage and he went to jail for a bit, you know, when they arrested him. Um, this dude's at home. They didn't even release his name. But now people have found it and it's going all over fucking Twitter and they're putting his pictures up and his high school photos and, you know, he's a Marine and all these different things. And so they've named his name. And, and I don't know how I feel about that either. I got to be honest because you're starting to ask people to be their own vigilantes and go after this guy. And by doxing him and giving his, and people are like, I didn't dox him. It's all public knowledge. Well, you know what? You got the fucking magnifying glass and you Hercule Perot yourself into a fucking detective and you found this shit and you put it up in a public forum. If that's not doxing, I don't know what is, whether it's public or not. You dug it up and you posted it. As far as I'm concerned, that's doxing. Um, But is it okay to dox a murderer? And that's why when I say there is no black and white, only gray, it applies to all of this. Um, because look, I'm I'm not just, you know, I'm singling out Clarence Thomas because that's the stuff that I know. I think I just read that uh, Gorsuch was also a, a, a fucking, like he was corrupted by some shit. I mean, they're, they're all, it's all coming out where all of these guys have their hands in everybody's fucking pocket. Like they're just, they're bought and paid for. And 
And as people, you just, it's why I don't want to look at the world. You know, why I don't want to talk about capitalism and where it's going and all this bullshit, because there's, you're, there's nothing. You know, you know, we're all like Truman at the end of the Truman show where he, the fucking boat crashes into the sky. It literally, he takes a boat all the way to the horizon and the boat pierces the horizon and he realizes everything that he believed or thought is truly fake. And he starts slamming himself against the wall because he doesn't know what the fuck to do. He knows he wants to escape and he wants to get out, but he doesn't know to what. And I think all of us find ourselves in this situation. As I said, I said this three years ago, it's weird to see a system completely fall apart in front of your eyes. The system you've lived under for your entire life falling apart in real time with no consequences. The writer's strike has happened and now... You know, what the writers are asking for is literally like one-tenth of the salary of one of the studio heads. And I hear these people in saying AI is, is going to replace writers and stuff, or they're going to generate ideas and things. Because this is what they supposedly, this is what studio heads want. They want to generate ideas and scripts and show, show ideas from AI and then just hire writers in as independent contractors for a day to punch stuff up. Like they don't, they don't have any more staff jobs. They don't want to... They don't want to bring anybody in for writer's rooms. They don't want to have anybody creating scripts. They want the ideas to be generated by AI or GPT. And isn't it funny how quickly that shit became viable? Chat GPT and AI all of a sudden, it's been a year, I think, that it's been on my radar. Maybe it's been going on before that. But now they think it's going to support the entire entertainment system. What the fuck? And so they want to go ahead and fucking price writers out and pay them a certain day rate. When in reality, they're making so much money, but it's because also Wall Street owns these fucking studios and Wall Street demands profits all the time. Like they never like, ah, oh, it was a bad year. We'll be fine next year. It's always like, what happened? And they fire guys and these guys don't want to be fired. So they want to do everything they can to save and cut money. And it's the same thing with the government where they're cutting fucking, you know, they cut taxes. So then they don't have any money to fix cities. You know what I mean? You see what I'm saying? You see, it's, it's, you start talking about it and you, you drive yourself fucking batshit because none of it makes any sense. And there's no solutions and there's no way to solve it and there's no way to fix it. And I don't, I don't have, and I'm not even, I'm not even like sad. Like, cause I, I've been in the past angry and like shake, you know, really fucking pissed and thinking, God damn it. Look at these motherfuckers. Whenever, you know, the cops kill a guy or whenever we're, anybody does anything or women are bullied or fucking trans people are fucking abused. You're just like, fuck this man. What the fuck? But you know, the writers go on strike. And uh, this week, you know, the writers are all on Twitter and they're they're writing about their strike and they post their ridiculous selfies with their clever signs. It's, they, they, that's not helping, guys. I mean, I understand you want to keep people abreast of what's going on in the strike, but when you keep putting pithy statements on a sign, it, it just it looks like you are not taking it seriously. And I know that sounds weird, but the thing is, as I've said before, nobody takes anything seriously anymore, and everything is a joke, and it's it's ruined. A lot of the world. <laughs> I know that seems like a weird blanket statement. Let me tell you something real quick before I finish that thought about the writers. Uh, on Twitter yesterday, there was some guy in Russia or Ukraine, whatever the fuck, some guy who is uh, the head of of some really elite fighting forces who have been helping Russia. I don't know if they're Russians. I don't know if they're secret police. What the fuck they are. But this one dude... Uh, is he's their general Patton guy, this one particular division. And he put out a video 
that went is on Twitter. I don't know if he meant it to go on Twitter, which I got to be honest with you. I don't see Patton going on Twitter, but who knows? Maybe he just he does it. And he, he slaps the guy on the camera. Who the fuck knows? But this Russian dude is yelling in Russian. And the translation is, uh, hey, man, uh, Russians have fucked us. They told us they would give us a ton of fucking ammunition and they haven't. And my men are dead. And he gestures behind him. And there's like fucking bodies stacked. And it's Russian secret police, Russian mercenaries, whatever the fuck, Russian soldiers. But but aside from any title you want to bestow upon them, uh, it's people that are dead behind him. And there's blood and there's uniforms that you can see. And he's yelling that basically we're going to stop supporting Russia in this fight against Ukraine because they basically set us up. They sent us here. They sent us. They didn't give us the ammunition they promised. And now my men are dead. And uh, it's powerful, you know, because he's furious and you can see it. And could it be propaganda? Because then there are people like, this is propaganda. It's all false op, whatever the fuck, false flag, because everybody else has that fucking microphone. Maybe. I don't fucking know. But uh, the guy convinced me. It was a minute and 20 seconds of him looking furious and a bunch of dead bodies behind him. And uh, then I read the replies on Twitter. And uh, he's a bald gentleman. You know, like a shaved head, clean bald guy, not losing his hair bald, but like cue ball bald. And uh, people put pictures of Gollum and people put pictures of Nosferatu and people put pictures like, oh, well, man, looks like you get another job. Ha ha ha. Oh, I guess not all it's cracked up to and like every everybody, everybody had their joke. And and I have to admit, when I first saw it, I viewed it through, through the prism of what's funny about this like you know because you're kind of inculcated to inoculated whatever the fuck the word is to think that way these days what content can i fucking squeeze out of this where's my smarky snarky smirky remark and then in my head i was like this is before i read the replies and i was like there's nothing funny about this this, is, this guy's fucking you know and i i found myself thinking why are you cutting this video this promo in the middle of a battlefield in the dark with a big light on, like somebody's going to put a bullet in that fucking exposed bald skull of yours. Um, but I, but I went. There's nothing funny here. This thing is filled with death. Didn't stop anybody else, man. Every reply, and I'm talking every reply, was either from somebody making it funny, or trying to be glib or cute, or someone uh, giving some sort of battlefield analysis because they played a video game once. Everyone is an expert. Well, well, if you hadn't trust the Russian government and you gone, we would have gone through the, you know, the the Kazakh Parkway. We, you know, it's everybody's got their bullshit that they think they know, and and they just lay it out bare. Everybody types their bullshit. Two hundred and eighty fucking characters or more, if you're paying the eight fucking dollars, and they all get their say, and they all have their joke, and it turns into a roast. It's the roast of the bald guy whose friends are dead because he happens to be on Russia, and you've chosen that he's on the wrong side. And yeah, he's probably a bad guy. He's probably killed a bunch of Ukrainians and whatever the fuck. I'm not rooting for this guy. But my point is, humanity is lost. If if you see a video of a guy furious because he's been hung out to dry by another government and all of his fucking comrades behind him are dead and we see them dead on the ground and your first instinct is to go, oh, this guy looks like Gollum. Who are we? What's left? Should there be anything left? On Twitter, these writers put up this stuff. And like I said, you're not doing yourself any favors by writing your clever slogans and bullshit. You're just, you're just, 
too cute by half. If you want people to support you, come at him with facts. There's a guy named Adam Conover who I think does a really great job of explaining what the fuck is going on. And he's he doesn't do it in a glib fashion to me. I mean, he can't, he's because he's just naturally gifted as an orator, you'll watch him and you're compelled. But he's giving you the facts and telling you why things are happening. And he also writes things and breaks them down in a way that gets to the seriousness of what this is, what it means to the community, to Hollywood. So if you are interested in things, I would find Adam Conover. I would seek him out and and listen to what he has to say. Um, Because a lot of the other stuff can be weird cheerleading. And it's frustrating to read, quite frankly, because like I said, you're like, oh, man, you're making writers look fucking stupid. You know, if you're talking about coordinating your nail polish with your sign because you thought it was funny, but also at the same time, you don't realize that you're making yourself look trite. Uh, I don't know. Or or guys out there saying they're, you know, everybody being silly. Like I said, every that's we're so we're so ingrained to be facetious that when it comes time to be serious about something, facetiousness bleeds in. You know, seeing these writers post all this stuff, I, I support them unequivocally. I would love to support them financially. I'll support them with my time. Whatever is needed. I, I, I think writers should be paid exactly what they want and need to get because writers generate the content that you see and love. You know, and in this, this we get to this with sports. You know, everybody is mad at baseball players because they make all the money, but nobody's mad at owners. Everybody's mad at these fucking writers that are going on strike because they've been convinced, they've been told that it'll cost people their shows and their movies and stuff. But what about the fucking studio heads? These guys who are old money, you know, who, who've been, and when I say old money, I'm talking like fucking from Oog the Caveman money. These motherfuckers stepped in the first puddle of oil that ever existed and they monetized it somehow. I mean, these motherfuckers are rich and not even, they're, they're well, no, wealthy. That's, that's the word. I think it's Chris Rock who's like, there's a difference between being rich and being wealthy. And these fuckers are wealthy. And not only do they not, writers aren't even looking to get rich. They're looking to be paid commensurate to the content that they create and, and to the money it brings in and the amount it's consumed. But like I said, they post this stuff on Twitter. And if you read the replies, people are like, well, good. It's good that you're on strike. Maybe they'll, they'll fire you and hire some writers who write good stuff now. Maybe they'll find some guys who actually create better scripts or good shows, stuff I want to watch. I, I got rid of my TV seven years ago. I haven't watched a thing and I don't miss it. Like everybody with their bullshit story and their nonsense and their lies. And uh, because they can't, because again, writers are in a union. And for the past 45 years in this country, people have been convinced that unions are bad. So because these writers come what people have, like I said, they think they're in a place of privilege or they're in a union. So they're bad or they're privileged because, oh, they think they're better than us because they write TV and we do these other things. And it's like, man, oh man, what are you doing? Support people who need support. And yeah, there are some writers who make fucking millions of dollars per script, but there's millions of writers who make tens of dollars per script or for punch up. Or her brought in, brought in for two days, or brought in for fucking six weeks, and a day before their health insurance kicks in, they're fired. Or they're hired for a Netflix project, and the day before residuals kick in, they cancel the show. These people are fucking people actively. Studios and studio heads and streaming services are fucking people by pretending because here's the thing they'll talk about oh we had the best year we've ever had oh my god all these streaming numbers are amazing and then writers are like well then we should get paid for that and they're like I don't know what you're talking about these numbers you can't even really figure them out 
when you you know we these numbers are kind of a mystery to us. Streaming is still in its infancy. Fuck you, man. Streaming in its infancy. You you've you nine eleven cable. You've just flown like you know Netflix and Apple TV and fucking Discovery Plus and fu- all of you flew jets into cable and you're doing what you can to carve out your fucking piece. And you've been doing it for over 10 years and you're saying it's in its infancy and you can't figure out the money. This is the same shit they told writers before when the last strike happened about the Internet. And now they'll they'll put shows on fucking YouTube. They'll, they'll I mean, there's just people need protection. And, and if you're going to root for fucking billionaires, I don't know what to tell you. Just don't. If you're going to root, you know, people who are like defending Clarence Thomas. It's fucking insanity. You know, it's like it's like when, you know, Trump or, or fucking any of these idiots, people, you say something about him. They're like, oh, well, what about fucking Joe Biden? He's an idiot. Yeah. OK, he's an idiot. What the fuck? You think you got me there? You didn't. When he said he was running for president again, I'm like, really? We're going to this is it. This is the guy. This guy who, quite frankly, I think he's 82, but we may have to cut him in half and count the rings to see just how old he is. That's your best bet for running the country again. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, I you know step aside and let young people take over. Let them do something. So I I don't even know how I fucking spun off into this bullshit, but I just see this stuff manifesting, and I I just think if a guy being murdered in a subway station by another citizen isn't a turning point, if you're gonna come in and twist yourself into fucking any number of pretzel-like shapes to defend a guy who killed someone he had never met because the guy was yelling. What does that say about you? And what does it say about everything going forward? It's it's the same thing happens with guns. We see people, you know, just the very fact that that fucking Kyle Rittenhouse, who literally looks like the Bob's big boy fucked a pig. The fact that that guy's like on podcasts and on television shows and people are pretending that he's interesting or someone that they should listen to instead of some fucking terrified little boy who killed people in the street. I'm not even getting into the politics of it. Uh, he was under siege. He was being attacked. No, he's a racist. He was out there. to Whatever the fuck. Expunge all that from the record and just give me the fact that he's an 18-year-old boy with an assault rifle uh, who was scared and killed people in the street. Fine. That's the facts of it. Whether, you can, all the other stuff is, is color. That's, that's the black and white of it. The rest of it is gray. But the fact that he became a hero to these people, they rallied behind him. They started to put him on podcasts and T-shirts and started to talk to him and let him host shows and sponsor coffees and get ad money. And you're like, what? The, why? Because he killed two people in the fucking street? These are some false idols, man. All of them. And that's what I mean is people... People defending Clarence Thomas. Why? What the fuck do you give a fuck about a guy from the judiciary? If he did bad shit, fucking fire him. Step down, impeach him, whatever the fuck you got to do. Well, what about Hunter Biden and his laptop? I don't give a fuck. Throw him in jail, too. Whatever. If he did something wrong, put him on trial, arrest him, whatever the fuck you got to do. That's the point. All the, uh, root out all of these corrupt assholes. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be sports. You don't have to be team Republican all the way. And so you root for all the justices and you root for all the bullshit and stuff. And, and look, I haven't even brought into the religious aspect of it because that is, is so much of all of this. Every Bible thumping cunt is out there talking shit about trans people. And it's like, dude, shut the fuck up. 
You used to talk shit about black people. Now you now it's trans people because you can't talk shit about black people anymore. You know what I mean? You can and you will and you do, but not the way you can malign trans people. Or gay. It used to be gay people and gay marriage. Then that passed. So now it's trans people. Every time they they hopscotch, it's like fucking a chessboard where they try to chop on another square with somebody else to fucking completely exploit and, and fucking shove to the ground and choke to death in a ch- fucking subway station. <laughs> hey, it's a comedy show. Uh, I, I don't even know what the fuck. Let me just spin off on this. I, I just... You know, I did. I've been, I've been, I've been reading a lot of this fucking guy killed in a train station, and nobody caring, and just me thinking, what the fuck, man? Well, there was that one story. I forget the again. I'll never remember the woman's name, but um, it's an Italian name, and she supposedly was raped in an alley while a bunch of people watched and never called the police. And if I remember correctly, there are disputes that this ever happened for real, or it, or only one person may have seen it. Whatever the fuck, but it was national news. Like it was a huge fucking story when it happened. And now shit like that happens and it goes away in a day. Like I, I do understand why people are doxing this guy because they want to see justice done. And they're trying to keep the story alive because our news cycle is always a fucking tsunami. A guy murders a guy in a train station and two days later, somebody shoots somebody in a fucking theater in Florida and everybody forgets about the guy from the train station. And you can benumb yourself to all of it because holy fuck, who wants to pay attention to all this shit? And again, I apologize for tearing scabs off on this podcast. It's not for me to do that and thrust it into your face. I get that. But it's what's in my mind right now. And I just, like I said, it's not even a thing where I'm crying or I'm sad or boohoo or whatever the fuck or Attica. I just, I'm just fucking, it, it makes me want to stay in my apartment and watch shows that I love and see my friends and have and eat pizza and then die. <laughs> Uh, I want to do the, it's, it, I feel like, like a dude who's on death row and he's just counting his days and then he's, he, you know, he gets to choose his last fucking awesome meal. What if I just, what if I just chose an awesome last meal every single day? Cause you never know if, when, when the last one's coming. So make them all your last meal. A comedian I saw named Rick Reynolds used to do a bit about eating cookies and then you're eating them and you're not really paying attention. Then you reach and there's no more cookies left. And you're so depressed because while you were eating the cookies, it was fantastic, but you didn't get to eat the last cookie. I mean, you did eat the last cookie, but you didn't get the last cookie enjoyment out of eating the last cookie. And, uh, and maybe that's a great way to look at life the rest of the way. Like every meal could be your last meal. So make it an awesome meal. Every show could be your last show. So why waste time watching garbage? Watch shit you like or marinate in the stuff you used to love doesn't matter. I don't know. I don't know, man. I got no answers. I got none. I just, I just, I just think that if we're going to start killing people in train stations and saying it's okay, then we're going to start heading downhill a lot faster than I thought we were. Like I, again, I've had no hope for a couple years now. I mean, the pandemic exposed, quite frankly, the, the element of people in this country that I want to avoid as much as I possibly can. I read a story about some town in Michigan that elected some anti-vaccine guy as the head of the fucking local community, local government. And the first thing he did was like buy the biggest flag he could. And then he changed the the city logo to Jesus loves us. Like, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's like shit like that. Like he, he it, and it was, a, it was a fucking suburb, like some County that was doing fine. 
You know what I mean? And and it was doing great, but because they didn't like the fact that their kids were told they had to wear fucking masks or couldn't go to school or the fact that they were told they had to wear masks if they went into a store, they attacked and they started swarming the fucking school boards in the county and they were voted. And, and it's a very interesting story because now he found a way to fire some health inspector that because the health inspector they used to give free condoms out at the fucking at the clinic and that just encourages young people to have sex and the bible doesn't want it and i'm like holy fuck do you do you not realize how close you all are to being the taliban do you not realize you bible thumping fucking jackasses how close you are to being everything we were supposed to hate and everything people were sent to kill you know, you talk about how in Iran these people have to wear hijabs and they have to cover their hair and the women can't drive in Saudi Arabia. You're fucking heading, barreling toward the cliff of that here. They're coming for no-fault divorce. Where they where women can't just get a divorce, they're going to need to get permission again from the husband or whatever the fuck, and it's like, holy Jesus. We're not going to recognize this country in five years. And I say that fully knowing that we're not going to recognize this country in five weeks. We might not recognize this country in five minutes because of Jesus and pals. And uh, and truthfully, Jesus has nothing to do with it. He's just the fucking, he's just the cudgel, you know? He's just the bullhorn they're using, just the fucking, he's that, you're seeing the SWAT show when the cops run up to the door and they got that battering ram that they use to knock off the fucking door. That's Jesus. These assholes in the fucking helmets and uniforms, they're just using it as a way to break down all the doors and see what's inside. And get into your bedroom and tell you what you can and can't do. And tell trans people that they can't be happy. They can't live their lives. And black people that they need to know their place. And women they need to shut up and have kids. That's another thing too is like. They. they they're, they're concerned about like the birth rate dipping in China. You know and they're talking about birth rate possibly dipping here. And um, I mean the way you treat women are you surprised? It's so funny, like the one thing you want to do is turn them into breeding factories and then you set up a world where it doesn't behoove them to become anyone who would want to bring a child in because then they'd basically be enslaved into raising that child and God forbid they have a daughter because then they got to try to raise them with some modicum of hope that they're entering a world that has already gone ahead and beaten them down. Craziness. I, I just, and I see it and I marvel at it. I, I, I sometimes feel like I'm watching it from a distance. And and I've talked about this before. You know, I, people will say libtards and libturds and people will say that conservatives are Nazis and all this shit. Like, you know, the extremes are fucked all over. But, I mean, I know firmly what side I come down on. Uh, and I'm shocked that other people don't agree with me. I'm always shocked when I find that someone's conservative to that extent. or You know, because there's always that story. It's like if you're not a conservative before 30... Uh, you're an asshole. If you're not a conservative after 30, you're stupid, whatever the fuck that phrase is. And, uh, you know, fiscally, whatever the fuck, I guess, if you want to say that, maybe it was about taxes. Who the fuck knows? But but if conservative now means not giving medical care to people because they're trans and you disagree with their choices or you disagree with who they are, because it's not a choice. You know, trans people are born that way. Gay people are born that way. And the incredible courage it takes to be able to live your life honestly is quite frankly out of my depth you know I, I i can't imagine how strong they must be 
and then to walk into every fucking single headwind that the government local and otherwise puts in their way uh, and same with black people and same with women and same with Hispanics and same with Asians who, you know, came they came for after the pandemic and they started blaming people who are Asian. And I it's dude, what if to see it happen is just fucking it's just crazy. And uh, and like I said, I'm watching it from a distance. I don't I don't know where it's going to end up. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, you can talk about end of empires and whatever the fuck. And look, I, I truly like, I don't think the world's ending because people will say shit like that. I just think it's going to get bad. <laughs> I just think, you know, I think maybe there's a hundred years left. The water should last a hundred years. I would imagine, uh, certainly at the rate, the ice shelf is melting courtesy of global warming. We'll get some water out of that. I would hope I don't fucking know. Let's put it this way. The world will outlive me. So that's important because that just means that I'll be I'll be here until whatever the fuck. Um, But boy, oh boy, like I, you know, I think of my friend Ash who listens to this show and she's got her daughter bomb pop. And I'm like, what kind of world is bomb pop growing up in as a woman? What's that going to be like for her? Think of my godson who's fucking awesome, goes to college. He's going to have a great job, a great future ahead of him as long as the world cooperates and makes sure there's a future for anyone. I don't know, man. I hope it goes well, certainly. Um, But I think as long as they keep making Hershey bars and and steak, (laughs) pork chops, I'll be happy. Actually, I'd rather have a good pork chop than a good steak. I'm not going to lie to you. I love steak uh, and I, I love a ribeye. But uh, but every time I go to a restaurant on the menu, it's like uh, if they got pork belly or they got short ribs, uh, you know, that's always what it comes down to. Usually the choice, even over a good ribeye, I would have like fucking pork chops. There's a pork porterhouse at a fucking at Musso and Frank's that is fucking amazing. Uh, see, that's what I should be talking about. I, I You know, they're not choking anybody out over there at fucking Musso and Frank's, are they? No, the only thing people are choking on is the olives and their martinis. That's that's what I'll do going forward. Let's talk about that. This fucking planet, this fucking world, this fucking country. I want it to go well. But I got to admit, man, seeing a guy get choked to death and have people root for it is, uh, you know, at the risk of sounding like a fucking naive idiot chilling. The fact that some guy can get choked out in a fucking subway station because he was yelling and a guy just decided, hey, I'm going to shut that guy up forever. And people are rallying to his side to fucking support him. And the cops didn't even fucking keep him or charge him with anything is fucking chilling. I'm part of the Misfit Toys co-op for as long as this world will last. <laughs> Never not funny. Doug loves movies. The Todd Glass Show. No fun with Jen Kirkman. Check it out, man. Those shows are out there. They want you to listen. Uh, again, like uh, Danielle and Christine who are, you know, they're checking out, like I said, it's a danger show. So I'm sure they're, uh, maybe they'll get, maybe they'll get somebody who didn't get choked to death in a subway station, but watched it happen. Maybe they'll talk to them. And, uh, and Paul who's interviewing any number of goddamn people who've had tragedies in their fucking life and overcome them, thankfully, because man, it is a wood chipper. And if you can help somebody help them. And that's why I say if I'd have been there, would would I have had the courage to say, hey, are you hungry? Do you want something? You know, during the pandemic, I told you I would go to the store and there'd be homeless guys outside and they'd ask me for money. And I'd say, I don't because I don't carry cash. And I'd say, I don't have any cash. You want to come with me? Yeah, I'll I'll buy you something in here. 
and and I would take them through the store. I said, pick out what you want. And then they'd they'd ask me like I was their dad if they could get something. And I'd I'd be like, look, man, get what you want. Get lunch now and get something for later, you know, because I, I want you to be taken care of today. Would it be okay if I got a beer? Yeah, man. So I brought you in here. Get whatever you want. I, because I have it now. I have it so I can help. I can take care of you for a day. If you if you get through today with a full stomach and you get through today with a buzz on and it helps you forget the fact that you sleep on a curb, I'm happy. It's, it's what I should do. It's what we should all do. You know, you, you don't fucking... You don't fucking kill people because they're yelling and you don't root for the guy who killed someone because he was yelling after the fact because it defends some sort of political position that you insist on beating into the fucking ground in the face and, and of, of all in, flying into the face of convention where we didn't kill people. Yeah. <laughs> Hey man, I'm on Cameo. Did you know that? You want to hire me to tell anybody about this stuff? You got a friend who wants to hear this? Look, I can do a bat mitzvah. I can do a bar mitzvah. I can do a wedding. I can do a quinceanera. Or I can talk to you about death. Whatever you want to do, go ahead and fucking dial me up at Cameo. Book Cameo.com or get the app on your phone and hire me to go say hi. Look, I'll take 15 minutes to talk to you about death and life. Why not? Let's go ahead and ponder. Who wants to hire me to ponder? I'm here for it. That's why I'm around. I'm here to ponder all goddamn day. Uh, go ahead and do that. Hire me for cameo. And even if you just, you know what? Hire me for cameo if you want to have a conversation with a guy. Why not? Root for me. I'm out here. Uh, I want to say this. I want to thank uh, someone. I have a Patreon, by the way. I'm not going to go into the Patreon. Well, I'll just tell you. Patreon.com slash Mike40YOB. Uh, you're all very nice. Anybody who's a member of the Patreon is great. And let's do uh, the reason I bring it up is because... New patron, John Moulton. That's right. Our great friend, John Moulton, has gone ahead and stepped up, um, you know, because we had the GoFundMe going for the car and stuff. And so he went ahead and joined Patreon so he can support even months going forward. And uh, John Moulton, you're the goddamn best. Thank you so much for thinking of me and thinking of the the, the show and supporting. And uh, you're, you're great. Thank you. So I want to mention John Moulton. I also want to mention a couple of things from our great friend, Matthew Henshaw. I've mentioned Matthew on here a couple of times before. Uh, Matthew, um, he is also a new patron. He signed up to be a patron. And uh, he's been around since Never Not Funny Days. I mean, he's he's been in my life for a very long time. Um, just a great guy. And uh, he's got his Jenny and, um, you know, his he's got his pets. I don't want to get into, I'm going to give names, whatever the fuck, I've done it before. But the, the point is that Matthew is terrific. He's become a new patron. But also, Matthew sent me a package uh, Matthew sent me, you know, I, uh, I'm not going to remember the name of it. Unfortunately, sitting here, he, he publishes a, a quarterly of, um, kind of terrifying stories, I guess is what I would call it. Um, and I, he, you know, he jumped on and I, he sponsored the show a while ago and I was able to tell you about it. Um, but he sent me the whole run of issues and I open it up and it's like, and also he sent me a, a story that he wrote himself 
in addition to the stuff that's been curated for the 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 you know the the system of books or the series of books I should say. Um, so Matthew, thank you for sharing for me with me that one of a kind story as well as the books. Looking forward to diving into them. Um, I, I went through your story a little bit, but it's, it's one of those things I'm gonna have to sit and read. So I couldn't just kind of glance at it. So, um, you're so nice. Thank you so much for thinking of me and thinking of the show and, and always being there to support. And, uh, I hope Rumi and, and Jen are Jenny are all doing well. And, uh, there you go. So thank you, Matthew Henshaw for thinking of the show. Um, I will also tell you this. I, this Monday, that's going to be the 8th. I think it's Monday the 8th, May 8th. If you're in Los Angeles and you want to see me or you want to talk to me, I will be at the Universal City Grill on Lancashire, I believe it is. Is it on Lancashire? I believe so. I'll be doing comedy. My brother has a show he puts on once every couple of months or once, you know, a month or once every five weeks. Whenever he's in town, he tries to do it. And I'm on the bill. I'm only doing like 10 minutes. But really funny people like Rick Overton who is a legend like Felicia Michaels, who is incredibly funny. You may have heard her on the show. She used to do a show with Joey Coco Diaz. She's terrifically funny. Um, there's got he's there's like 20 comics. I mean, it's a crazy great show. I believe it's free admission and they got a menu of food you can buy. They got drinks. It's a bar. Um, and I'll be honest with you. It'd be really cool if you wanted to come and not only see me perform, but hang out like I'll, the show's, you know, it's long. I'm not going to lie. There's 20 people, so you get there. I think it's at 7.30 it starts, um, maybe 7. But I'll put it on the Joker's page. But um, but if you're in Los Angeles, man, and you just want to have, like, hang out and maybe get a hamburger after or something, and that'd be cool. I, I like hanging with people, talking with people. That would be really neat. And, uh, y- you know, I usually do that stuff and I run away. But I'm, it's getting to the point where, A, like, I want to go do more stuff, and so I want to also meet and connect with people. But also, like, you know, the stuff that I just dumped in your lap about the world, it it, it kind of makes me think it would be nice to kind of associate with people and people I like <laughs> and, and make some connections again. So, um, you know, I'll, look, before I go on stage, I'll be all freaky because I'm be you know, I'm that's how I am. I'm trying to get better. So I got to determine. And it's also a show where you have to do new stuff. That's kind of the rule. And I know you're thinking, well, Mike, everything's new to you because you haven't done stand-up in fucking forever. And you're right. So you might hear some stuff from this week's podcast or last week's podcast, stuff uh, that I'm trying to hammer into shape to bring on stage. So if you can come, that would be fantastic. It's Monday, May 8th at the Universal City Grill. Um, I'm doing probably 10 minutes. And then we can hang out even and watch the rest of the comics. And then afterwards, if you wanted to go get some fucking pizza or something, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, that's what I'm doing with my life these days. So I'll be here and, and reach out. Let me know. Like I said, it'll be on the Joker's page so you can see the actual time and get the address of the joint. And uh, it'd be nice. So think about it. Uh, so I'm in cameo. Uh, thank you, John. Thank you, Matthew, for your Patreon uh, duties and signing up and helping us out. Um, now folks, um, I also told you that I'm on Twitch. Did you know that I haven't returned? I said I would, and I have not yet. And I know that's a crazy thing. Um, but you know, look at me turning out podcasts, right? We're back on track. <laughs> uh, but if you can follow me at twitch.tv slash the 40 year old boy, that would be great. I will be on very soon. As soon as I can get back on, I, uh, I currently have some situations I have pressing. I have afternoon commitments over the next couple of weeks uh, between like one and three California time. So then it's got to get home and get back on. Cause I used to start streaming at three, probably have to do it at four, maybe even at five. I'm trying to figure out a lot. Look, I'm juggling. We're juggling a lot of things here, folks. 
uh, trying to get back into the world. And you'll hear more about that later here in the show. Uh, but twitch.tv slash the 40 year old boy and youtube.com slash the 40 year old boy are out there for you to follow. Costs you nothing. I mean, look, you can pay at twitch.tv. You can subscribe and use Amazon, actually. Then I'll get five Amazon bucks. Um, if you want to do that, great. If you just want to follow because it's cool, because my numbers then are okay, twitch.tv slash the 40-year-old boy, youtube.com slash the 40-year-old boy. And, uh, oh, stuff's coming in the future, don't you think? Won't it? Should it? Can't it? It will. Uh, we have sponsors of this podcast. Our great friend David Hernandez, of course, does the Flemcat podcast. He's not really a sponsor, more of a pal. David Hernandez, you can find him at facebook.com slash David Max Hernandez. Be his friend there. And then go listen to the Flemcat podcast. The Flemcat podcast is available for you to go ahead and check out whenever you would like. It's uh, in all of the best places where all the finer podcasts are. And, uh, you know, it's David and he's singing and he's playing instruments and then he's got crazy voices and he's telling stories about golf and dinosaurs and all sorts of crazy shit. So go ahead and give it a day in court. The Flemcat podcast four words, the phlegm, P-H-L-E-G-M, cat podcast available where all of your podcasts are dispensed out of a vending machine. Go put in 75 cents and take home some David Hernandez. Why wouldn't you? I think you should. Uh, and let's talk about the Paranoid Strain podcast. That's our great friend, Jer- uh, Fearful Jesuit. Jeerful Fezuit? Fearful Jesuit is out there, and he's doing this. Uh, he's in the middle of a five-part. I'm not. Gonna, I, it's like a five-hour rock opera, and it's a lot. It is a lot of content. I talked to you last week about Acts 1 and 2. I had heard those. Well, now I've heard Acts 3 and 4. And uh, there's an instrumental piece that opens Act 3. I was a big fan of that. I really enjoyed that. Um, Act 3 contains a government scientist who sounds alarmingly like Charlie Brown's teacher. I don't want to speculate. I don't want to get into it. All I know is there's a scene where a government scientist is speaking, and he sounds so much like Charlie Brown's teacher that it had me thinking, I'm wondering, are the peanuts being indoctrinated? I was worried. I'm not going to lie to you. I've thought about it ever since I heard it. Uh, how deep? How deep does the rabbit hole go on this? Let me ask you: Is this? Is, this uh, is it possible we've lost Franklin? Good God, dear listener, <laughs> is that a UFO? No, no, that's a, that's an IFW. That's an identified flying Woodstock. That's not an unidentified flying object. Uh, but again, I'm here to ponder, and that's what I pondered: Are the peanuts in danger? Are the peanuts in danger from this government scientist slash teacher? his way through everything. I don't know. Um, Great songs, great music, phenomenal, you know, again, voice work. I mentioned last week that somebody sounded like Todd Berry. If you listen to act three, you'll hear the, there's a show called love chat that they get a clip of. And the love chat guy is the Todd Berry guy. The guy hosting Love Chat uh, is the guy who sounds a lot like Todd Berry. And I'll tell you what, by the way, for the parent strain, you just, uh, I mentioned it last week and I'm going to mention it again. I think at this point now, we just have to come up with a Protocols of the Elders of Zion drinking game. I, I It's mentioned so often, it is the touchstone for any and all things conspiracy theory that the second it's mentioned, we should have to swig half a decanter of fucking absinthe. Every time we listen to the fucking paranoid strain and the protocols of the elders of Zion are mentioned, swig half a decanter of absinthe and try to get through the rest of the fucking episode without losing an eye (laughs) because they are the be all and end all of all of these jagoffs and their nonsense. Um, but the music is fucking rolling, baby. It's filled with Book of Revelations references. There's a Christmas song, even. 
Uh, Moisty, Zona, Fergie, and the Squonk are taking care of business. They're bringing you tunes. And, uh, of course, Fearful Jesuit is in there as well with a disguised voice. And he's the he's the puppet master pulling all the strings. It's incredible to listen to. Uh, there's a Christian radio parody, I will tell you this. Um, there's a listener. So, so like, someone is, is listening, to, it's, uh, listening to a Christian station. So it's a parody. Two guys talking, and they're asking for money. And, and I'm not fucking joking. Uh, I was driving, I've been driving recently and I've been forced to listen to AM FM radio and there are stations in LA. I, I'm, I can't, I couldn't believe it when I heard it. There's an, there's an FM station and it's a Christian station and they ask for money fucking constantly. And, and with all these weird arbitrary, you know what? By three thirty-five, you've got to raise $1,800. Who's out there? Who wants to send an email? Who wants to call? Our phones are lighting up now, but will we hit the 1800? We've got seven minutes and we, we really have to do it. Go ahead and give us a call. And there's three people. There's two guys and they'll throw it to a chick. And then she's just kind of like, well, I'll tell you, I can feel it. It's, it. There's a Jesus in the air and he's gotten telling people to dial their phone. And then they'll, you know, they'll get closer to the, we're two minutes away and we're now we're $600 away. And again, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if they collected $1,200 in five minutes or if it's all fucking horseshit that they're tricking people into grabbing the phone because then at the end is, you know, there's 30 seconds left. We still need another 150 bucks. They may be doing it just to get that final 150 to wheedle that last fucking chunk out of somebody. So they might not have eaten at 1800, but they're happy to get 150 in seven minutes because again, if you, you know, that's a pretty, that's a good clip. Seven minutes into an hour, you're looking at fucking, what, 77 times into 60 goes fucking eight. So, yeah, so that eight times a buck 50, that's eight times, and then 1,200 bucks an hour? That's not a bad turnover. You're doing real good there if you're tricking people that much. Uh, how does this still work? That's what I thought when I listened to the station. I was like, how the fuck does this still work? This this ramp up, we need money, and then the, oh, my God, people got to give money, and we've got times running out, and it's just going to, you know, it keeps the word of Jesus alive if you send it, and people are still sending it, man. And maybe people aren't. I don't know, but they're on fucking, there's a huge radio station in Los Angeles, and then I, I hear, then I listen to fucking Act 3 and 4, and I hear a Christian radio parody. I'm like, holy fuck, it's real, and he's and then he knocks it off here in the fucking, in the fucking rock opera, and I'm like, it's the same goddamn thing. It's crazy. Um... And then he plays, you know, there's a song that plays on, on the, the Christian radio. And the second song that they play is, is reminiscent of the James gang, the vocals. It sounds like ride the wind. Like the, if you hear the song, ride the wind by the James gang, like it started playing and it's, uh, yeah, the rock Gibraltar. like I can't, I'm not going to do it, but I just did it. I shouldn't say I'm not going to do it. But uh, but in this this Christian radio song, it totally sounded like the James Gang. And then there's other songs. There's a, a song called Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars. And it sounds like Chicago. Uh, like old school fucking, does anybody really know what time it is, Chicago? Because there's horns in it and the vocal framing. Man, it totally sounded like Chicago to me. So uh, check it out. It is the Paranoid Strain, Acts 3 and 4 of... This rock opera about William Cooper or MJF, I guess is what we're saying is that's the guy's name within the context of the show. Uh, Check it out because it's great work done by our great friend, Fearful Jesuit. And as I mentioned, Zona, Fergie, Squonky, Moisty, they're all there. They're all getting it done. Lucifer, Wilson, Jones, whatever the fuck. Uh, All of them doing yeoman work, uh, yeoman's work and really putting together quality, unbelievable shit that I can't do. Like, I don't know how you can sit down and edit that fucking thing. I, I, I barely can put this show together half the goddamn time. So it's, it's really, 
just landmark work within this medium, and I think you should listen to it. Acts 3 and 4, The Paranoid Strain. Uh, I'll, I'll get to Act 5 for next week, probably. I, 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 it actually hasn't been sent to me until just, I just got it a few hours ago, and I just, you know, I'm, I wouldn't do it justice, so I'll, I'll give it a listen over the next week and talk about it to you next week. Um, and yeah, so now let's, you know, we got a little surprise for you tonight. We're going to turn the microphone over to Ace Freely. Uh, by the way, Paul Stanley stepped up and talked about uh, trans people this week. Good for you. Uh, major living is a draft queen. Really, really, you're a drag queen your entire life. You're wearing makeup. You're wearing uh, eight-inch stack heels. Now you are a wig. And you're going to tell me that trans people are out of line. What the, what is, I, and again, I don't have any answers. I don't have any, I can't, I don't even have any clever quips. I just, again, it's just a lot of what the fuck. When you see the shit that's happening, you're like, what the fuck? Paul Stanley, you of all people with a rose tattoo on your shoulder. And half the time people think you're a switch hitter anyway. And you're going to fucking come out and talk shit about trans people. Now this, this trend, this fad, shut the fuck up. Good Christ almighty. What are you doing? And also, man, how hard is it as a celebrity to stay out of this shit? I know you're a 72 year old man. So you're, you're, you're a 72 year old white guy. So your inclination is that everybody needs to hear what you have to say. And also you're a narcissist because you've been a rock star for 45 fucking years and uh, not even 50 years. And you, and you think that you matter in a larger context when in reality you write songs about fucking high school chicks, you wrote Christine 16, you know, you, you, you literally wrote a song called rocket ride. Uh, you, you wrote the lyric, put your hand in my pocket, grab onto my rocket. Feels so good to see you receive baby. Gotta know. Do you want to blow? Are you going to make me feel it? I said, blow baby. You make me feel, ah, 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 yeah. Sitting in the back, your head down in my lap, the moon shining down on your hair. This is you. This is you, Paul. This is stuff you wrote. That's your contribution. That shit's not going into the fucking congressional record. You're not going to the Smithsonian with with fucking Christine 16 or Plaster Caster. And they're songs I love. I grew up with them. But... But when you, you, it's quite a leap to think that you can write something like, uh, sitting in the back, your head down on my lap, the moon shining down in your hair. And that qualifies you to make political statements that you think are of some import to the nation and to release them. Like he wasn't even asked in an interview. He, nobody was like, Hey Paul, what do you think about trans people? He literally put out a statement. Like he was just one day he, he, he was not looking in a mirror and he thought, you know what I need to do? I think I need to weigh in on what is, quite frankly, the most divisive issue in, uh, of, of the time, of the moment. People need to hear what the rhythm guitarist of Kiss has to say about it. Uh, and and did, and put it out there. Like, not only to dictate that statement, he's got to have some assistant there, right? Who's just like, you know, Paul, maybe, maybe you just spend some of your $100 million. Maybe you buy a nice lunch for yourself. Why don't you buy, here's what you do, go buy a Caesar salad instead of, weighing in on the trans controversy, which isn't really a controversy. It's all made up and bullshit because people choose to make it a controversy. Uh, instead of weighing in on that, why not go out and get a nice sandwich? What if you had a sandwich? Buy a cigar. Go buy another car, you fucking dick. Uh, to see these people, again, like I said, if you're a celebrity, stay the fuck away from it. It's third rail. There's no reason. If I was if I was rich, if I was rich, you would never see me again. Like uh, like if I was a rich celebrity, like Brad Pitt doesn't have fucking Twitter. Uh, these they, they, he doesn't need it. Why the fuck would he ever need it? He doesn't need it. What's he gonna do? 
Why would he talk to you? Why would he ever fucking do anything to to diminish or impede his mystique? Paul Stanley, however, who has spent his entire career behind a mask, decided to rip it off and show you he was a fucking jerk. <laughs> man, oh man. I don't know, dudes. I don't know, dudes. I don't fuck. All right. Uh, enjoy the rest of this show. It's me. It's Lily. We're talking. Things are brought up. Things are discussed. And you'll also get an update on what's going on. I know a lot of you are wondering to yourselves, where, what, uh, wasn't, wasn't there an, an overwhelming void in your life, Mike? Has it been filled? Well, let me tell you something. You're about to find out right after these messages. Sundown, you better take care. You're going to be okay? You're going to make that? You're going to be fine? Now you're being uh, mean. No, that's my tribute to a Canadian troubadour whom we just lost. We just oh, lost that's it. right. We lost Lightfoot. Didn't yes, we? you can take it your way, but I meant it a completely different way. I take it anyway. You hugged it like a like a like a little kid with his tongue stuck to a telephone pole. You just hugged it hard and hoped that someone come to help you. Uh, and instead, <laughs> I'm here to tell you, I was I was merely paying tribute to a man uh-huh. who just died, and we're gonna miss him. And I hope he winds up in heaven. Isn't that a great riff, though? It's ridiculous. And t- t- uh, you know what? Yesterday. Mm-hmm. A baseball team does this thing where they put out like notes for the media mm-hmm. and uh, and literally the the slug lines on all of their little paragraphs went in cadence with the song. And I, I, I can't find it literally because it's a day old already. Uh, but yesterday I retweeted it. It was uh, it was fantastical. I enjoyed it so much that someone would take that time to, you know, because he, he had just died, what, two days ago or whatever it was. And so then they made it all in cadence. In a, it was some, it was the blue claws, like a fucking minor league team too. So it was just some dude there was like, you know what, man, I'm going to do this. Cause I like him and let's make it work. And, and yeah, no, that is, that is a killer. It's just, yeah. Yes. It's incredible. It, it and, makes uh, you happy and it mellows you out at the same time. Right. Yeah. And it is such a sing songy thing. And also, uh, it's about a devastating event. Like it's, yeah. it's you know, because it, it lives in your heart where you're like, I like this song and it makes me think about puppies and possibly a bird. But then <laughs> fucking you realize, oh, wait, yeah, possibly a bird. I said possibly. You never know. Uh, I, I had to fit the syllables in there. But sure enough, that song itself uh, is, is about there's it's about death and dying dudes. The three D's of things you don't want on the sea. <laughs> Death and dying dudes, baby. Um, which, speaking of that, let's talk about this for just a second. I was watching television the other day because what else am I doing besides walk marching off to death? And I said, I'll watch some flickering images as I await the Reaper. So I got the TV on, right? And uh, I saw a commercial for fucking Deadliest Catch. These fucking people are still out catching crabs and putting cameras on boats. What the fuck is your issue, man? We we've look. There are no more crabs. We fished the seas dry of crabs. There's no. No, more we sea. haven't. As far as I'm concerned, we have. <laughs> and, and, uh, let's put it this way: we fished the seas dry of dramatic crabs. How about that? I don't. <laughs> the rest of these crabs are just for you know picky toe crabs for a fucking salad. But I don't want to see someone who just got a divorce who tried to disappear into the Canadian wilderness, and now I got to watch him because he hurt his thumb on a cage. It's fucking terrible that show. Well, it's not about the crabs. 
Right? It's about the, the, the human <laughs> crabs on the boat. Yeah, it's all these dudes who frittered away from real life, and now they jump on boats with half a cigarette in their mouth that gets wet, and they never light it anyway. And then there, you find out they're, all of them are domestic abusers in some way or another. They've punched a wife. Everybody on there is a wife puncher. I know they're gathering crabs up and scooping them up, and it's good television, but just think back at, at, at any moment, one of those dudes just threw a right hook at some woman he told he loved her. And, 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 it's, <laughs> and now he had to go hide. He has to hide on a boat and catch crustaceans. That's the only way you take that job. And then in the, in the commercial, here's my favorite part of the commercial too. Uh, you're not going to believe this, all right? You're truly, I'm going to tell you this, <laughs> Lily, and I'm going to tell you, the listening public, this. You're, you're not going to believe this. On the new season of Deadliest Catch, there's a storm. What? <laughs> you're goddamn right. No. And, and, and here's the, another thing. Not only is there a storm, none of them saw it coming. None of them. They, they, they're they in the middle of, of like, you ever get a globe and you spin it enough to where there's nothing but blue? That point right in the middle of it, and that's where those fuckheads <laughs> are catching lunch. So those dudes are in the middle of that blue thing on the globe, and then they're just like, hey, the deadliest storm in the world is coming. And it's like, well, like, you know, first of all, if that shocks you, I'm going to say you didn't pay much attention <laughs> to the scripts you were given because the name of the show contains the word deadliest right in it. <laughs> So please don't be shocked by the deadliest storm we've ever had. I thought they were talking about the the crabs are dangerous because they're the deadliest catch. You would think so, but no, (laughs) it's the storm. storm. And and even more dangerous than the storm would be Larry, the guy who gave his wife three black eyes before he left town and hopped on the boat. Nobody wants to be friends with that cat, but sure enough, that's who he is. And, and I can't believe it still airs. Because, I mean, I remember, again, I remember when that show started. Yeah. And there was that captain with the white hair, and it was a big deal. There was a rival boat and all that bullshit. And now they're, they're, I watched the fucking commercial. I'm like, who could possibly be watching this? Because the only reason to watch, in my opinion, it, again, I don't watch fucking Seafood Bazaar, but maybe <laughs> you do. The only reason to watch is is not unlike the only reason to watch NASCAR. You're hoping for a death. You're, you're literally just going, man, please, please let someone take the corner at, at too fast and just become a fucking omelet. That's all you want. So with the fucking deadliest catch, you're either hoping for A, the crabs to revolt and take over a ship, which would be fucking phenomenal, or you're rooting for all these DV guys to get fucking beat up and killed by by Jesus in his storm front. You know what I mean? That would be fucking great. Which, great band. By by the way, it's interesting that Stormfront would be would be what they're sailing into, and also the organization they joined just before they left land. So <laughs> there's a boat full of white supremacists fucking sailing out into the distance to go steal a crab from his family. You dicks. Let these crabs be crabs. <laughs> you fucking and, and look, everybody's gonna be like, well, don't you like eating crabs? I do. I enjoy eating crabs. But all the crabs I die I eat died of natural causes. Nobody was caught <laughs> on a boat. True. Nobody was scooped up by some fucking guy who threw an elbow into his wife's chest. It is these crabs went, hey, deliver me to Mike Schmidt's house, please. And they were done. And then someone inevitably boiled them for me and I ate them with lemon. And that was nice. It was a nice thing to do for that crab because that crab lived a healthy life. I refuse to eat a crab that's that's younger than 50 years old. It has to be a 50, which, by the way, isn't saying much because some of those crabs, they fish out of the ocean. You ever see when they'll pick a big one? And they're like, you see this green bursa sack here? This indicates that this this monster saw the Tyrannosaurus Rex die. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. I can't have that on my earth. There's a crab who lives in the ocean. And not only that, he saw the Tyrannosaurus Rex die. 
and now you're going to throw him in a fucking crab Louie? That's fucked, man. Let that guy live. They should be able to get their fucking lives straightened out. Give them a license. Every crab needs to have a license. And when you catch them, they show it. They're like, dude, look, I'm 100 years old. Right back <laughs> into the drink. Right yeah, back but, into the fucking drink. Yeah, but, but are the raptors the one giving the licenses out from way back when? Did they go oh, get their picture taken? Oh, no, listen. The times, times have moved forward. So now <laughs> this is when we settle down and start giving the crabs licenses so that they can flash <laughs> it like a G-man. When they get pulled out, they pull their wallet out. And they're like, ding, check me out. I'm over 100. They're like, there you go, buddy. Back into the surf. Probably see you next season of Deadliest Catch. When a whole new posse posse of wife beaters is out here riding a too small boat in a too big storm because we're hoping, keeping our fingers crossed that somebody fucking eats it on camera this year. I I don't think there's a next season because we have no writers. I think next season it's just going to be a boat and a camera and it's going to be like puppy cam because that's, they don't good. have any. So we're just going to see the crabs just walking along the boat. And good. That's it. I'm a, good. I'm, I'm on board They'll for it. They'll probably give them knives and cigarettes. But also there's. Punch their wives. Dude, there's no fucking, there's no fucking uh, writers on, on Deadliest Catch. There's, <laughs> there's story editors, certainly. <laughs> and then they'll just film a thousand minutes of this bullshit and then they'll they'll give it they dump it in the lap of the story editors because my friends have done it. They're like, hey, could you put together a narrative where like one of these guys likes tuna and he's on a <laughs> he's unfortunately he's on a crab boat and he screwed up and he was wishing he always wanted to be on a tuna boat instead. And my friend's like, yes. And then they spend sixty hour weeks trying to page through other you know bunch of fucking guys who punch their wives just scratching their asses and telling dirty jokes on the I fucking deck. Everybody that catches crabs punches their wives Every, because that's the only way you can get these guys on the boat. <laughs> Literally, here's the. There are two things that can happen when you go fish for crabs: make a gigantic paycheck because you survived, or you're crushed by a winch. That's the only. <laughs> yes. That's the only two outcomes for crab fishermen. And and to get a guy to do that, you you, you know what you're looking for? You're looking for the guy who may be too violent to work on an oil rig. That's what you're looking for. Like, is there a way we could scoop one of these guys up in the oil rig, one of those guys who punched all of those those guys at dinner and throw them on the boat and take them out as far as we possibly can from humanity? Because that's what it is. It's a job as far as they can possibly get a guy from humanity. And the only thing he has to deal with is these tiny brain fucking crustaceans. It's like, it, and so then that's, that's what they can deal with. Because those guys can't deal with regular adults. They'll throw on a fight. Dude, let me ask you this. If you were, if you had any sort of pride or any sort of semblance of the ability to relate to another human being, would you put on a yellow slicker? <laughs> would not. No, because you look like the fucking Gorton's fisherman gone mad. It's fucking ridiculous. Nobody wants to wear that. Nobody looks good in it. No. Paycheck beyond your wildest dreams. Crushed by a winch. That's it. That's the entire... <laughs> That's the entire spectrum of outcomes for the guys on Deadliest Catch. Oh. Actually, I apologize. That was the, for, for centuries, that was the only spectrum of outcomes. And somehow they added television star into there. <laughs> I like, unbelievably, they were like, hey, look, you either can get a fantastic paycheck for catching crabs and not talking to anybody or crushed by a winch. However, we also have this to offer you. You could be on weekly television for 13 years. <laughs> what the fuck? How bankrupt are we as a country, as a society, as a culture that we got to find fucking Krabby Joe and fucking throw him on television all of a sudden. And then his wife's at home just pointing at the screen and fucking rocking back and forth on the couch because she remembers those long nights of being locked in the closet. And now this fucking guy's out there trying to scoop up crabs. Get the fuck out. He doesn't belong on my television set. Get him off. (laughs) 
How is it still airing? Who is still watching it? Again, the only reason is people, there are the people who've watched Deadliest Catch every season of Deadliest Catch. You can, you can recognize them on the street because they have vicious arthritis in their fingers from crossing them, waiting, hoping for somebody to die. That's the <laughs> only reason. Say, is it the wives watching? For Possibly. Yeah. The, the only people watching Deadliest Catch are the wives who've been beaten and John Walsh from America's <laughs> Most Wanted. Uh, <laughs> he's hoping it will spit water. Very fine fishermen out there. He's hoping to scoop them up because he's like, ah, any anytime they're like, hey man, this kid's missing. I just I, I send John Walsh a text. Hey buddy, you should probably watch <laughs> Deadliest Catch because I'm assuming those guys are on the high seas right now, not unlike pirates escaping after after unfortunately getting their hands on the booty, and then they said, hey, let's sail out of here, buddy. Uh, and then they're out there, and and look. Should I thank them because somehow they've made it possible for me to have uh, California rolls? I suppose. I don't know. But no, that's imitation crab. They're not catching imitation crab. What if they were? Holy shit. Let's think about that. <laughs> These guys went on a boat and they came back with What if they came back with a boatload of imitation crab? They'd be like, what the fuck? Where'd you even catch this? Because um, that's what? That's paddock? Haddock? I don't like, know. I think it's Haddock. It's not Paddock because I went to school with uh, uh, someone named, I can't say their name. I forgot. I can't say names. What anymore. if it's a rival show that makes the imitation crab? What would it be called? Not America's... as deadly as catch. <laughs> not as deadly as catch. America's I mean, not, not as deadly as catch. Yeah, not as deadly catch is what it would be. I mean, <laughs> no, it's not as deadly catch. We, we're catching the imitation crab. They they, let's put it this way they're not fighters. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, I, they're not exactly docile. Uh, and our boats are winch free, so you're never going to get crushed by that. Trust yourselves. Uh, I don't just, know. Just a bunch of people sitting on the the bow of the boat with a little tiny fishing line dropped yeah. over and a worm. Just feet They're dangling just over. Just hanging out there. Yeah, just the Eminem riding. Boringest. And I and but I still guarantee you, people would watch it. Some people would watch it. I like water. What? I don't know. I just like it. What if they caught something scary? They're never going to catch anything scary. I don't know. I guess maybe people are hoping they scoop up the, the Kraken. <laughs> I don't know. I, I literally, I'm trying to figure out why you would still be watching. Like if you watch, because in the beginning, I did watch a couple episodes because it was like a big deal. Yeah. But now when I was shocked when I saw the commercial the other day, I was like, there's no fucking way this is still on. Yeah. Is it like that? It's like that ridiculousness show on fucking MTV that they can't get rid of where it's just like, and I know, look, man, as long as fucking people are falling off skateboards, Rob Durdick's going to have a career. We all know this. There's no, it just can't be stopped. It's this monolith at this point. It's Eddie and I were in Vegas and we were flipping on the TV because we were going to eat the Olive Garden that we bought. Oh, boy. That's a long, long weekend. Let and me ask you, well, turned, before, I, before you talk about this real yeah. quick, you bought Olive Garden? Yeah. Did you go pick it up? Yes. Were you family? No. What? I've no, heard that when you're there, you're family. No. I I keep doing this thing where I'm like, oh, I remember Olive Garden. That was so good. I never eat there anymore. And then I go and I'm like, oh, I'm going to get the family salad. And I forget they no longer have a family salad. They have a corporate salad for 20. And it comes out and it is literally the size of what would be a stuffed it's the turkey that Tiny Tim got. That's the size of the salad. Yeah, I if I and it comes a... with a dozen and a half breadsticks, and I forget that too. Yeah, and then I order a meal, which also comes with a salad, and I forget. And all of a sudden, I have so much salad I don't know what to do with. But anyway, we hauled this into the the hotel room, and we're gonna. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop sauce. you. I'm gonna stop because I'm gonna say that if I ever ordered a salad for twenty, 
uh, I would probably be deterred by the Mexican picking the leaves in the middle of it when I got it home. Well, it's uh, they give you they give you a Tupperware thing of croutons and a tub of Parmesan cheese. I mean, I I don't know why I do it, and I I forget and reorder it that way every time because I'm like, oh, I'll get salad for two. But it doesn't say how many. It doesn't matter. But I Listen, flipped on the TV. Most of I... most of your quality cheese comes in tubs. Clearly, <laughs> it's it's a standard measuring unit for the best cheeses on earth. Hey man, can I can I get a tub of that, please? Good Christ! All right, apologize. Go ahead. What was my point? Oh, I flipped on the TV and we were looking for something to watch, and there's only like 14 channels porn and watching Kino yes. when you're in a in a Vegas hotel room. And I was like, oh, wow, ridiculous. God, I haven't seen that in forever. I'll turn that on. I'm sure it's an episode I saw sometime way back when. And I'm like, this feels new. And yeah. I, I picked up my phone and I went on IMDb and I'm like, they're in their like 13th season. Yeah. Oh. They have made so many episodes of ridiculousness that they have run out of clips to make fun of. And they make fun of old episodes of ridiculousness. Well, they actually do. <laughs> they, literally, they literally run it on the screen and go, oh, look how stupid I looked on this one. Wasn't that terrible? But I just, and then Eddie just turns to me and goes, why is she on the show? And I go, I don't know. I never understood it. I know, She's I adorable. Never, yeah. but she, just, she just left. I, I'm not joking. I saw this on, on like Twitter or something. She just left to do her own show. She got her own thing. And it made me laugh because I was like, because again, that's been on for 13 years. She literally went through the American education system of ridiculousness and now has graduated to go on to some sort of college of ridiculousness. It's, it's, th I mean, 13 maybe years. It wasn't 13, maybe it was 11. I don't know. I don't know. Even so, it was, just, even far so, it was just far too long. You go to school in this country for 12 years. She hosted ridiculousness for 13. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. It just I, seems a ridiculous thing to do, right? Yeah. Aha, I, ridiculous. I, ridiculous. It, yeah. it is just, they don't create content. That no. was the other thing. They just talk about content. They don't yes. create anything. But but that's what a lot of things are now, and that's that's what I'm saying. But I could well, I couldn't believe the crab show was still on. I was like, you got to be fucking crab kidding me. Show. Like who? I like it better as the crab show. Dude, I would watch a crab show. That's the thing. If it's dude, if you give me some fucking mellifluous baritone <laughs> describing the sex lives of crabs as they hide <laughs> behind some fucking wispy vegetation in the ocean, I'll watch the shit out of that. But but if you've got to watch man versus crab, I don't fucking care. You know why? You know who I'm rooting for? Fucking crab, and he never wins. I'm rooting. I'm rooting for the end of humanity. Too. Yes, I'm rooting for crab. If it's man versus crab, I will root for crab. It should be called deadliest man, and like it's a bunch of just fucking crabs, just just swarming dudes on the beach. Yeah, I would watch that jaws. show. If it was a boat full of crabs, I would just watch that. I'm in. I'm in. God damn. <laughs> Uh, I was shocked when I saw the commercial and shocked again. Ridiculousness is on my, my our buddy Murray. Murray Valeriano was a writer on that for a long time. And uh, and then McSweeney's actually like six months ago wrote a piece and it made me laugh. And it was um, it was something like a briefing to MTV executives from the guy who invented ridiculousness or the guy who greenlit it. And he's and he's explaining He's kind of apologizing, but also explaining why they're adding more. It's a great piece. If you go to McSweeney, just Google McSweeney's ridiculousness and you'll totally find it. Um, although that sounds like it'd be like a tavern somewhere. Never mind. It, just like, go ahead, please. McSweeney's ridiculousness. Actually, you know what? You get a touch of that when you go and you've, you've run to the weather in Scotland. <laughs> you, can, you can get a cold, you can get the flu, or you can come down with a touch of the McSweeney's ridiculousness. Oh, Christ. You're bedridden in Scotland if that happens. Um, no doubt, no doubt, no diggity.
You got to bag it up. Bag it up. That's what I say. Hi, I'm Blackstreet. Uh, Are you Mike? I am. I'm I'm Mike Mikey Blackstreet. I'm trying to um, call you Mike now because of the last episode. Because last Mike week. Oh, Are you doing, boy. Michael? Hi. Uh, I you, whatever you choose is totally <laughs> seriously. Fine. We have not talked. How are you? I, haven't, I haven't heard about the car. I haven't heard about life. I haven't heard about anything from you. We have not talked because I was out of town um, until we talked and. Right, I know. We got uh, um, lost on the rock on the last episode. There's nothing wrong with that. Everybody it loves hearing awesome. about the rock. I... Um, I, <laughs> I, sh- I, in fact, I should have talked more about the rock. Now that I think about it, there's. <laughs> hold on, I have I have unaired thoughts about the rock that I yes, want to bring but... to light today. Um, I'll tell you this. You know what? I have. Uh, I'm, I'm angry at my Spotify, which is a weird thing. Why? Um, because all right, because look, you choose. Here's the best thing about Spotify. It's got like a million songs. And then you can build your playlist, right? You can go ahead and figure stuff out and what you like and you build it in a row. And I've talked about it before. If I go in the shower, I have certain things, whatever the fuck. Uh, but now Spotify, and I don't know if it's part of their user agreement because look, who the fuck ever reads that bullshit? You know, quite frankly, I'm I'm still waiting for Apple to show up and take a kidney because I just keep clicking yes, yes, yes on all the <laughs> shit they ask me about. And eventually one of them is going to roll bad for me. You know, it, it's just going to be something. Oh, yeah, no, you owe us a foot. What? Yeah, we need to take your foot. It's very important. The Jobs family needs your foot. Well, they can't have my foot. Well, you shouldn't have clicked yes. <laughs> so I'm just waiting for that shit to fucking come down, right? So sure enough, uh, I click Spotify. I just tell them they can do whatever the fuck they want, which is, I'm sure, ridiculous and terrible. But they've started to add playlists to my fucking library. And I don't like it. I mean, I just... <laughs> I don't like it. I don't, because because here's the thing. My library is fucking... It's clutter-fucked. I mean, because I, I'll do this thing where I'll hear a song and go, holy shit, I haven't heard that song in forever. And I'll make it a playlist. So I'll remember it to put it in a larger playlist later. And I also have a whole playlist called Hit It or Quit It, which is songs that I might have liked and I'm not sure if I did. So I put them in that playlist and I have to listen to that playlist and then throw them away and discard them. But who has time to sit and sort songs they might have liked? No, it's it's a black hole and it's genius. It's so good. It's I mean, it's it's anything. It's like YouTube where you're just on YouTube and you're like, uh, oh, man, you know what? I want to hear that one song. I wonder if it's on here. And then the next thing you know, you're watching 9-11 over and over again. And it's like, Jesus Christ. Happens to me. Five hours later, I'm watching 9-11 and going, hmm, jet fuel, can it melt steel beams? I'm not sure. This user seems to think not. Um, so so Spotify, they put on a playlist. Because here's the thing, like, I watched that show The Bear. Did you watch The Bear? I did. It's great, right? Yeah. Did you see who they just added to the bear for the new season? No. Oh. Who? Bob Odenkirk. Oh, even if and he's a Chicago guy, it's going to be perfect. It's going to be so great. I can't wait. Um, so I watched the bear and I loved it. And then I liked the music. So then I went to find the playlist for the bear and the soundtrack album. And I put it all together and that was neat. So that's what I'm saying is television shows. This is a very cool thing is people will, you think I'm bad with Spotify. There are people who will literally note every song in an episode and they'll have the complete music of the bear. So you like, think they're not hired by the company? Perhaps, but okay. I chose not to think that. I like to think there were just these obsessive fucking fans, but thank you for blowing it for me. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> Capitalism. Well, there's a soundtrack like that had, you know, like if it has like 14 songs, you're like, oh, okay. But then their playlist will have fucking 77 songs because they, I mean, they took everything that was playing on a radio in the kitchen, every, anything that was playing at any time. And I think that's genius. And where I was exposed to this world the first time was with a show called Mindhunter. 
uh, on Netflix. I don't know if you were able to watch that show or if you cared about it at all. Didn't care about it. Okay, it was fantastic. It was a show where they uh, that deals with the in the the implementation and creation of the special psyops unit of the FBI that follows serial killers and stuff. And it's the guy who brought it to their attention, and it's the first two guys who did it. And then they go interview like fucking Edward Kemper and Manson and all these fucking yeah. killers. It's pretty sweet. But their use of music was phenomenal. It was so great. Um, when they catch they catch fucking uh, Willie Williams, the guy, the Atlanta child killer. They don't catch him, but they meet him on a bridge, and they had, there was a body thrown in. And he's like, "Was well, me or whatever?" And then it closes with "Hell is for Children" by Pat Benatar. And when it started to play, it just goes boom down down with the little guitar riff. And I was like, yeah. "No fucking way!" It was just, and I know it might seem like it's on the nose, but it made sense in that context because there was another one. the 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 first season ends with Zeppelin's "In the Light." Uh, in the light where fucking Ed Kemper. Oh, dude, it was fucking beautiful. So, so I love that these people go in and, and kind of put all the songs together. You know what I'm saying? So that's cool and great until I, I go to my Spotify yesterday and there's a playlist for something called Saint X. I think it was called, and I don't know what the fuck that is. So I click on it and it's like the new show on Hulu, Saint X. And uh, it's a playlist, place playlist of like two hundred songs. And uh, look, man, I don't know what this show is, and I don't know who you think you are, and I don't know what the fuck this music's doing here. But get it the fuck. And so yeah, and look, it's easy to delete, but I don't like the fact that now Spotify has decided to put a foot in my door and sell me a vacuum. I don't fucking care for that at all. They pulled a YouTube, a YouTube. They did. YouTube. Yeah. You know, you know, it's funny that when that YouTube shit happened, I was like, because I like YouTube, so I was like, oh, I get their album for free. That's kind of cool. Uh, but then you, I know, and there are a lot of other people that I know personally who were just like, this is fucked. You can't fucking do this and I can't fucking get rid of it. I can't get it off and it blah, blah, blah. And um, I don't like anything forced on me. If it would have popped up and said, Hey, we've got a great surprise for you. Do you like you too? Click here. I would have been like, wow, this is so great. But instead I woke up and I'm like, I felt violated. It was like somebody came into my house and, and instead of robbing it, forced me to listen to you too. And I went, you don't get to do that. You're and you're right. I totally I yeah. agree with you. So I remember when I'm it first happened. That was an advertisement as well, and it was a sure. promo. And yeah, but what? Uh, but how weird is it that it's like a playlist of like a hundred songs? Like, and that's a long ass commercial, motherfuckers. I mean, what did you expect? And also, do you expect me to see this playlist and go, "Hmm, I don't know what this is. I'm going to play all 100 songs, and then maybe that will lead me to want to watch Saint X on Hulu." Which now, by the way, I've promoted three fucking times, and I don't even know what the fuck it is. I have no idea. Uh, but I can tell you this, apparently it's got a lot of fucking music in it because spot and Spotify did, thought did I would want to hear look it. At what the songs were. Did I did. And I didn't No, No, it didn't. It wasn't anything I recognized, yeah. but also that happened with the bear. Like some of the bear stuff was like straight out of Chicago or Illinois. The like bear. Wilco was on there. <laughs> what do you mean? The cadence of saying the bear. It just it was, reminds me of the bears. Well, yeah. I, I, and I'm sure my next is helping. It's just a. It is a Chicago thing. It is. And it, it's funny on that show. There's one guy attempting mm-hmm. a Chicago accent like nobody else really is. One guy's attempting it. Um, and in fact, there was a thing a few days ago, like a week ago. Um, there was a caller to a Chicago sports radio show. Mm-hmm. And he was calling to be angry about the White Sox. And they just he's he's like, hey, guys, thanks for taking my call. And then he goes off on like a seven and a half minute rant about how bad the White Sox are and have been. And he's been a fan 40 years, all these different things. And I listened to it when it, cause it went, it was on a guy tweeted it like a Chicago sports reporter. And I listened to it. I immediately sent it to Lenny and Pardo cause they're big Sox fans. I was like, you got to hear this. I go, because it is, it's amazing. 
the guy crushes it, but also it's got just enough Chicago accent to fucking totally validate it where it's like, you're just like, you're just like chef's kiss. It's so perfect. So, and then it went viral and, and then the guy, like people found out who the guy was and they all followed him on Twitter or whatever the fuck, awesome. uh, and good for him. But boy, it was this, the, it's just this rant and he's, he's talking and he's not, it's not crazy. It's not super crazy, but then he talks about this guy and it, you know what I mean? Where it's like, it just peeks in here and there. Yeah. He's not, it's not a stereotype. He, but you know what he is? He's a guy who lives in Chicago and it's fucking beautiful. Uh, so to get a chance, go hear that. Stop this show. Go ahead and discontinue this show right now and check it out. What a fucking we'll pause. Yeah, yeah, sure. We will. We'll pause and wait. Uh, so fuck you, Spotify. Stay could could give me shit. I don't want, I don't understand it. I don't know what I clicked. And again, I'm sure I'll get more stuff. And, and also, look, if it would have been some playlist I liked, maybe, I guess I would have been like, oh, I'll check this out. But I got when you have when literally, you know, 79 percent of all of the recorded music of all fucking time is on there. I don't need your suggestions. Believe me, I, I can't listen to the shit I've pulled up for fuck's sake. Like there's I'll, I you know, it's funny because I used to listen to my iTunes. I have like like I said, I've got like 150 gigs of my own music that I own. And so I made playlists and all that kind of shit. And uh, I'll, I've forgotten bands like completely or songs or whatever. And because I'm so into the new, I'm like hearing new, new, new. And I build playlists out of new, new, new. Or I'll go, oh, what about this? And then I remember old. But and there are bands all completely fucking like I forgot about the Kings of Leon, which whether you like them or you don't, there was a period where I was like, I'm never going to miss a concert by these guys ever again because I saw them and they were fucking phenomenal. I saw them once uh, with Black Rebel Motorcycle Club and I saw them another time. And they were so fun and it was joyous and it was amazing. Um, and so I, then I was in the car yesterday, which I'll get to in a second. And I heard a song. I heard um, not not Sex on Fire, which is the one that they play all the fucking time, unfortunately. It was um, Use Somebody. Use Somebody is a great song. So that plays. And I'm like, oh, I fucking forgot about Kings of Leon. So I went right to my Spotify and I made a fucking Kings of Leon slash killers slash fucking kaiser chiefs playlist i'm like i totally forgot about these guys and so then you want there's another 30 songs i gotta listen to over and over until i get sick of them <laughs> you listen to music so different than eddie and i do what do you just put on shuffle no we just go pandora play a radio station that is based on 1972 punk rock and then she comes yeah. back and boom, we've got, and we listen, we're like, oh God, remember that band? I totally forgot about James. Listen, there's such and such, and you know, and it's like, oh, and then it's like, oh my gosh, give me, give me bands that sound like Prince, you know? And then we yeah. go down that rat hole and then, you know, we go, I want to hear, you know, uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, Elmo Phillips comedy channel and listen to a bunch of comedy that didn't really stand up by a bunch yeah. of comics from the 80s you know it's a i try not to listen to the same thing over and over and over again well I, so i just randomly yeah. say play stuff for me and surprise me yes i i am the same that's why i have 150 playlists in my I won't Spotify. make a playlist because i won't go back to it um well, that's I, what i mean by that is understood but i i was well, on spotify when i'm sitting this is funny when i'm not playing on my phone or using my laptop, if I'm just playing it on my TV when I'm just sitting in the living room, uh, I'll find I'll, I'll find 1978 rock. 
yeah. And it just plays the whole playlist. There's a playlist of like a hundred songs or whatever. And I'll just fucking let that play in the background or whatever. Um, By the way, 1986, I hated when I tuned, when I was like, play 1986 top hits. And I just went, I don't really like a whole lot of songs from 1986. Really? It was weird. I'll have to, I'll have to do some research it was on just that. weird. find out. Um, well, that'll happen occasionally. Because they also have billboard like... channels for years and you can play the different right. genres. And so it's like, I just try to listen to a bunch of different things because otherwise I become very... Um, I'll do the same thing repetitively for sure. the calmness of it. Yeah. Well, and I, 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 and then I stop wanting to leave my house. <laughs> so. Yeah. But, but the fun of sitting around and going, like I said, I just, I was like, fuck, I heard, I heard Elvis Costello the other day. So I just made a playlist of like 40 songs uh, that I haven't heard in a while. I'll just throw them in. And so then I'm like, there you go. And sometimes I'll, I'll have one fucking playlist, Pac-Man, another playlist. So it'll be like, add this whole playlist, chomp. He gets chomped into the other playlist. And now there's 80 songs in there that is, that is Elvis Costello mixed with a bunch of other guys. Song. I told you, I, dude, I look, I have one playlist called hello, Spotify. It was the first one I ever made. And I've just put out, it's a master. So every song's in there. So that's, that's like literally 11 days worth of music for fuck's sake. I mean, it's just, it's. So essentially you spend your time cataloging Spotify. Not enough. Not enough. That's the thing is I, I, I'll do this because I'll get, I'll even get sick of my playlists where I, even if there's like 30 songs. But that's why songs. I, that's why I'm so joyful that the Pandora just picks songs for me and I can just go next if I don't like it. You know, it's funny to me. Pandora is just for fucking poor people. It's just for hobos. Well, I am poor. I understand that. <laughs> I am a hobo. But I, I was in a place. The, oh, did I tell you I went to bartending school? Did I tell you I went to my first study? Uh, well, deal? I knew that you were going, but I haven't <laughs> talked to you. I don't know about the car. I don't know about bartender right. school. You're I don't right. know about any of this. All right. Well, I went I to the bartending school. school. Well, all right. So I only went, I went to an introductory class. Okay. Okay. And, uh, and it was an hour. But the mm-hmm. class itself was two hours, but I took the lesson for an hour. I think I talked about it on here where I talked about how Lou, who's my neighbor, had his yeah. patter. And he was great. He was so good. So then I, uh, now I just have to take the class, but I also have to go to an orientation first. So I go in for the orientation last week and there's a, uh, (laughs) there's a different guy who works there. And, uh, he also lives in my apartment building. All right. Now I've seen this guy a hundred times easily. He's a, he's, and he's the nod and wave on the way to the dumpster. You know, or when I'm driving and he's walking back, you kind of point and we both wave. I'll see him in the courtyard when I'm going to get the mail. I'll be like, hey, man, what's up? And I'll get my mail. And I walk in orientation the other day and I'm like, hey, uh, I'm here for orientation. Uh, And he goes, oh, well, uh, there's two people who run the bar, Lou and another person. And he's like, they're not here. He goes, they didn't tell me that you were coming. And I said, and I know who he is when I walk in. I see him, right? He doesn't recognize you out of place. (laughs) Well, he's like, do you know them? And I go, I go, I know Lou. And he goes, oh, okay. He goes, um, so did you sign up for the classes? I go, I, I took a, an introductory class and then today was to be my orientation. And he's like, yeah, I don't, you know, you, you, you got to talk to, I go, I live in your building. <laughs> and he goes, what? And I go, I live, I'm literally Lou's next door neighbor. I know, I know you, I see you on the way to the mailbox. And he goes, oh, oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah, no, I didn't know that. So yeah, well, let me call them to make sure that, you know, what we're doing here and blah, blah, blah. I says, great. So he makes a phone call and he comes back. Uh, This is a guy who's lived here. I mean, at least, at least five years, maybe longer. Mm -hmm. And I've nodded and waved, you know, you see him just to say hi to be neighborly or whatever. And he goes, okay. He goes, it looks like I'm running your orientation. So uh, I'll have to give you a sheet and you'll figure, you'll, you know, fill some stuff out. Uh, I go, great. I go, I'm Mike. And he goes, I'm Mr. G. (laughs) You motherfucker. 
You live in my building. I've nodded at you thousands of times. Wait. And and you're gonna bust out? I like like if he was wearing a mask, maybe he could introduce himself as Mr. G. You know what I mean? Then it would be if there's some if he's from Parts Unknown, I would expect to be dealing with Mr. G. This is not a guy from Parts Unknown. This is a guy I know where his carport is. Give me your fucking name. I don't know who you are, man. Wait. Is is he saying that because he's the teacher, or is he saying that because he thinks he's a rapper? I don't know. He's a he's a, a could stand for gentleman. I don't know. He's he might be Mister Gentleman. He, I don't know if it's he's not a teacher. That's my point. I'm fifty five years old, man. Now just give me and I live with you. Give me your fucking name. Just tell me your name. Your name. Because if we're keeping it on the down low, I didn't know it was a spy school. I thought it was a fucking bartending school. Well, I mean, there are people who go by nicknames. Well, he did. In, the, mean, in for me the weirdest and oddest type of way yeah. I, I don't it just seemed ridiculous to me get bombed fucking missed i'm hello i'm mr g did, and he's, did, and he's he got rap? a he's got a handlebar mustache too i love it so he's he's playing the role i mean he's totally playing the role and there's no and look i don't care live your life we're all gonna die soon be as happy be if you want to be a fucking weird mustache wearing initial guy go ahead and be that guy that's totally fine but in the moment i have to admit it gave me pause <laughs> i i know i've seen you i know he, i've seen you schlepping around in your slides i've seen you carrying out your garbage i don't think you need to give me your royalty title at this fucking point your highness jesus christ is your name greg be greg just be greg for a second literally one second if you introduce yourself as greg and then go but my friends call me mr g uh well i'm gonna have to now assume we're friends and I will call you Mr. G the rest of your life. I don't care. But in the initial introduction, it's a bit much. Did he introduce it like Mr. or like Mr. Mr. G? Well, they, he he's not a pimp. I mean, I don't know who you're talking but about. I mean, like, like there's like the there's like not like there's like he's not Huggy Bear. He I was just he was just a dude, and he uh, just uh, and but he didn't like, like I'm Mr. G. Like like uh, no. Okay. It was, uh, hi, I'm Mr. G. Mr. G. Yeah, that's just, that's, and, and again, I, maybe it stands for good for him. Because there you go. Mr. Good, Mr. Good for him. I, and enjoy it, and that's great. It just, in the moment, though, it was just, it was just fucking, and you know me. Look, <laughs> you, you can dig to the bottom of this well as deep as you possibly want to. I don't want to go to bartending school. I don't want to be in the bartender house. I don't want to be talking to fucking Joe Initials. I don't want to be doing any of this bullshit. And yet... They spring, they spring Mr. G on me with a fucking period. And I'm like, all right, I guess. I guess I'm going to learn about kamikazes from Mr. G because I have failed. What? Picturing you now at, at, at your house going out to take the garbage out and instead of nodding, you're going to like two-finger gun him. Yo, Mr. G. Why not? Yo, yo, what's up, Mr. G? And he's got to live with that the rest of his life. Part of me wants to go to the mailboxes, and I swear to God, if it says Mr. G on a mailbox, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. Although, you know what? At least that's committed to the bit. If it doesn't say, let's put it this way, I go the other way. If it doesn't say Mr. G on a mailbox, I'm going to be furious. What if he, what if it could be his real name? Maybe he changed his name. He gets all of his correspondence to Mr. G at 123 Credibility Street. He lives with Rick from fucking the other ones. <laughs> he lives with Rick. Vic. <laughs> One, two, three, credibility sweet. <laughs> Did orientation go well with Mr. G? I don't know. I learned how to make a Captain Alphonse. A Captain Alphonse? This is the, th all right, look. 
here's the way it works. I got to take orientation. Uh-huh. And then I've got to take two weeks of classes. Yeah. And the classes are all like three hours long. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there was a list of when they have them on what days and stuff. I'm excited to do it. I can't, I can't wait. I've been dealing with other things that I'll get to in just a second. Do you have a bartender's guide to mixes yet? Not yet. That's That'll be when I start the actual classes. Do they provide that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, look, I'm going to tell you something. I, I've to, I'm going to be completely honest here. You know, I, I didn't know what Lou did. I knew he owned a bartending school. Yeah. But to me, that just means a guy spitting in glasses and wiping them out with a dirty <laughs> rag and going, all right, everybody, here's how you pour beers. I, I don't know. That's the thing, because to yeah. me, whatever. I went to his, his presentation, and Lou was extremely impressive. Yeah. Uh, it's this combination of, like I said, it's this weird thing of dad jokes, but also kind of wink, wink, I'm an old guy, you're young people, but mm-hmm. I get it type of stuff. And, and he was genuinely entertaining the people. There wasn't a lot of groaning. It wasn't a lot of like, Hey, like people got what he was trying to do. And, uh, it was great. You know what I mean? It was fun. It was really, I liked his presentation. Mr. G, uh, also has patter. (laughs) And I got to tell you when that patter is, is just, is literally directed only at you. It's, it's a strange thing because, (laughs) because you are not only now learning about the bar, and you know about lemons and Jim Beam, um, you're also an audience. So I'm expected to kind of laugh and like be ha ha yeah ooh whatever. And uh, Mr. G's patter, uh, not woefully so, but inadequate to lose patter. And also he's got the Mr. G thing going for him, so he's already got fucking two strikes. All right, he's already behind an eight ball that it's just, I can't even see him. Uh, an eight ball with a handlebar mustache, and uh, and he starts with his patter. And, and also, Mr. G's, uh, his character at the bar, he's very aggressive. So, like, someone knocked a glass over, and uh, and it was very, he just goes, who's breaking my shit? And, uh, you know, like, but but playfully aggressive. You know what I mean? Like, they they all all bark no bite, but still delivered yeah. with delivered with bite, kind of. So, he's like, Who bre- who's breaking my shit? And uh, she's like, sorry. And he goes, don't break things, woman. You'll have to replace them. And then he turns his attention back to me and yes, a lot of that. I mean, and, and he, he speaks, uh, as if, as if he's a Viking in Viking times to a certain extent. And they were all wenches like bar wenches and barmaids. And even the men, like he, 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 this actually, this is ludicrous, but I'm going to tell you this. He literally, there was a kid and the kid, I and Mr. G, I got to give him credit for this. The dude was wearing a black turtleneck with a gold chain over it. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says something to him. And he's like, hey, he's, he says, uh, why are you knocking ice off my bar? And he's like, sorry, I'm just trying. I'm trying just trying to get the tub together. And he goes, all right. He goes, well, did anybody ever tell you you look like a Make-A-Wish uh, rock? And he goes, what? And he goes, you look like a Make-A-Wish Dwayne, uh, 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 Dwayne the Rock Johnson from Wish. Like that, not Make-A-Wish. Dwayne the Rock Johnson from Rush. That's my that's my fault. That's not my a whole fault. lot better. But you know, yeah. But yeah. But but I I honestly I I almost laughed and I but I didn't want to because for the kid. But uh-huh. there's this there's this famous picture of Rocky of Rock in a turtleneck with a fanny pack and a yeah, necklace. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah, and and the kid he really did. I mean, it was because the kid even had like a big curly kind of puffy afro type hair. And, and he had the black turtleneck on and the gold thing. He didn't have the fanny pack, but he said it on him. And the kid had not seen the photo. So then Mr. G has to go, uh, well, no, like there's a famous photo of the rock before he was the rock. And he's wearing like a turtleneck with a chain. Oh, you never saw it. it? Yeah, well, he, he tried to explain it because, because you know why he had to explain it? Because it's hurtful if the kid doesn't know what he's saying. Yep. 
though to his credit, I know what he was doing. He had yeah. to explain it so he didn't look like he was ripping the kid. Yeah. And he's like, dude, it's a famous picture. You should, you should Google it when we're done. Uh, then he kind of bonded with the kid a little bit. But yeah. it was it was wild, like what he's because it was it was a pretty good call. Like I mean, because yeah. the kid kind of did resemble it, and it was like, oh boy, Mr. G. All right, you got you know what, you're you're back in the good graces a little bit. I, I'm going to go ahead and say that was a decent call. Um, Is but he the he, wish, Mr. T? <laughs> Thank you. I'll be here all week. I of course, you will. Of my own. He uh, he then you know they teach me about the back of the bar. And the bottom of the barler, which Chambord is, which now I want to chug. I want to drink the fuck out of it. Because I have it's like a some. Raspberry liqueur. Try some. It's I, delicious. It is the only good. way I'll drink champagne. Mm. Oh, I learned how to make those. In, yep. the, in, the introductory, in the introductory class I sat in on, it was shooter's class. Woo-hoo. So I, I learned, that's how I learned to make uh, I, uh, the purple hooter, which I have actually spent one night drinking hardcore when we went out uh, in Tahoe once. Uh, and also tequila slammers, but also the... Um, blue champagne he was showing how to make like the bra the brunch drinks like blue champagne yeah. and mimosa and then he was showing how to make shots and how you layer them and stuff like that and, and kamikazes uh not mr g this was when lou was showing yeah. me and then also that's where i learned the captain alphonse or whatever the fuck it is and it's, it's a drink again i've never heard of it but he's like but he's like we're gonna cover everything here you might never get it but it's like you'll you'll fucking know it i'll tell you that um and are you remembering these really well sort of I, again it was only one class that i did and then the but i'm looking forward to getting into it because i have they gave me you know i have a sheet that i had to take some notes on for the yeah. in the orientation to learn about the setup of the bar what all the letters on the gun mean yeah. uh the drying the you know you fill the sink with ice you fill the sink with warm water you got the and then everything gets you know dunk yeah. it twice when you pour a shot i didn't the only thing i didn't get to do was pour because we went over on our orientation or the yeah the orientation and yeah. uh it was, I was going to pour it. He's like, we got to start class. He goes, but you'll pour next time. Cause he was teaching me, you got to go one, two, three, four, when you pour shots and you yeah. know, it's two ounces. And I was learning kind of, you know, just the general knowledge. It seemed like, yeah. um, but I was digging it. And I will say this, when I left, um, they gave me a packet of information. Like it was a, about the school. And like I said, I don't, I don't know what a fucking bartending school is to me. It's just, it's some dude in his garage with a keg who's going, you pump it four times and then you don't use the foam, you know, like that kind of shit. But they handed me this thing. And then, so then it's a thick packet of paper and it's explaining what they're, what they do and where they're from and lose history and things like that, that I, again, I didn't know any of it. And whenever any fly by night operation, which I know it's been there 30 years, but if it's it, bartending school to me could close in an instant. <laughs> yes, it could. Right. But, but they gave me, so they gave me all these papers and I'm like, oh, this is just going to be a fucking menagerie of fucking typos. I'm just, I'm so, I don't even want to read this. Uh, and I got to my house and I read it. It's fucking professional. It's clean. All the grammar is right because that shit leaps off the page at me. You know what I mean? And I, I, to me, it's always amateur night. If like a menu has three typos on it, I'm like, come on. And I understand if you didn't have the money to fix it or whatever the fuck, but, and I also know that our society has changed now where if people misspell shit and you say, dude, that's wrong. And they're like, oh, whatever, Captain fucking school. Um, because well, fuck. we're becoming less classist and we're realizing that not everyone has a Harvard education. I mean, that, that is, but you also want to be professional. If you put a, but if you put a third L in jelly, fuck you. I didn't need to go to Harvard to know that doesn't belong. <laughs> you know in there. what I'm saying though? We're, you know. The, the debate over an Oxford comma is now a joke, not an actual debate. A, I love the Oxford comma. I do too. B, uh, I, I understand that, that 
we're now a texting society. Yeah. So literally everybody just, they, they all, instead of spelling your, they put you are or whatever the fuck. Yes, Again, like I said, double every, spaces are gone because right. we don't have typewriters anymore. They I mean, all think a they're lot of, Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of things that change, but I understand what you're saying when you open something up and it reads clean and beautiful and professional, and it makes you feel better about what you're doing. Well, it really did because yeah. I, I wasn't sure what to expect. And I expected it to be some shady thing where it was like, oh, you know, Jack Daniels was a man who grew up. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, <laughs> fuck, what is this going to be? Um, but it's not. It's actually it was very it was well done and well put together. And I it made me kind of go, oh, I am I'm in good hands here. This is kind of yes. cool. And then, of course, I went then for orientation and I was put in the capable hands of Mr. G. And I should also reference this when I was uh, leaving for the day after they finished their because they were we finished orientation. And they were starting a class. So I had to bug out because there weren't enough stools. I had to get out, give a stool to a, a prospective student, a paying person, a customer. Uh, I went to shake Mr. G's hand when I left and I got the 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 bad hookup. Uh, like I went in too deep on the handshake and my fingers went under his hand, like instead of having like, you know, meaty palm, meaty palm. Yeah, I went in too deep and kind of grabbed his wrist. almost. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I gave him, a, gave it a one pump, you know what I mean? And I took it, I took my hand away and he goes, okay. And I go, you know what? I go, Mr. G has a terrible handshake. He goes, what? I go, it's not on you. It's on me. Let's do this again. And he goes, you know what? I can't believe you noticed that. And I'm happier. And he was like so excited. He goes, yeah, you noticed it. And nobody, people will do that and they'll never comment. I go, I'm not leaving you with a bad handshake, Mr. G. And I came back in hardcore. We went together like fucking Carl Weathers and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Bam, bam. It was perfect. And, uh, and I felt I'd earned, you know what? I felt I'd earned some respect from, from Monsieur Consonant. I was very excited about it. Uh, so there you go. I was thrilled. Uh, so that was, so I'm, I'm well on my way. I'm well on my way. And I will tell you this, there was, uh, and I I have to assume it's a true story because who the fuck knows, you know, it's another thing when you, when you, it's like a boiler room when they're like, you know what, get them on the phone and keep selling them. And, uh, you know what Larry here wants, Hey Larry, a lot of Larry's in this show. Uh, let's change it. Let's go. Gary. How about Gary? Let's go that Mr. G in honor of Mr. G. Hey, Gary over here once had a customer on the phone. Tell him about it, Gary. I had this woman on the phone. She couldn't, I couldn't, I wouldn't take no for an answer. She bought every book I had, bought every book I had. I made $11,000 off this one woman. You know, there's always somebody with that fucking story. So Lou's telling a story because not only do they do the bartending school, but then they place people out at events and stuff. And he's like, Hey, uh, you know, he goes, we place people at, you know, at SoFi Stadium. We place them at concerts. We place them all over the place, yeah. private parties. He said, but we also, he goes, we have a story about someone who just, this just happened a few weeks ago. Ooh. He goes, we placed a student and uh, she was at the Beverly Hilton Hotel. And a, a student at the bar goes, no, 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 it was the Beverly Hills Hotel. And he goes, oh, well, you you finished. Tell him, tell him the thing. Because, I yeah, it's, it's the Beverly Hills Hotel, the one. And he goes, okay. He goes, uh, and what happened? And he goes, what well, was her first day? And uh, and she was just working. And the first, and he, the reason it came up is because the, uh, the blue champagne mm-hmm. that he showed us, which is Curacao and champagne, mm-hmm. that was the first drink order she got. And she had never heard of it before she took <laughs> class, but she knew how to make it. So then she made it. And this woman was like, oh, my gosh, no one ever makes thank you so much and walks away. And then later on, another dude came up and he ordered something. And she made it perfectly. And he said, did I hear that it's your first day? And she said, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. And he goes, well, this is a, a, a perfect drink. Like you made it perfectly, whatever. And uh, the guy gave her a $25,000 tip. Bullshit. Uh, and I was, and I, and I should say, again, Lou didn't tell the story. The student told the story, which lends it to me, unless they worked it out beforehand. 
it lent the air of possible truth to it because then uh well because there's more to it because then then the guy was uh he was a guy who was in from uh dubai oh well then maybe and he was in (laughs) he was only here for a month and uh he was leaving for las vegas the next day and he told her that she was a wonderful mixologist and he asked if she would accompany him for a week to las vegas and she would be in charge of all of his drinks (laughs) and he offered he was going to pay he was going to pay the whole never heard from again right exactly (laughs) um and she did not go, but, 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 but literally. And then at the end he gave her and, and she was like, this can't be real. And the manager confirmed it and it was a real thing. And she got a $25,000 tip. Uh, and look, if I got to be honest with you, if that's true, that is not only the greatest first day of being a bartender in the history of liquor. It is also the greatest last day of being a bartender <laughs> in the history of liquor. Cause I'm telling you what you give me that $25,000 tip and it's going to be like a blackjack dealer. I'm going to clap <laughs> and let somebody else make every captain Alphonse for the rest of the fucking room. Cause I am gone friends. <laughs> Sorry. Stevie Dubai just took care of my next three months. I'm leaving. Uh, three months for 25 grand. What the fuck am I doing with myself? All right. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So there, so I've, I've started, I've started the process. We're underway. And I think under the, the wonderful tutelage of a brilliant uh, family generational bartender like Lou and uh, a, a loudly annoying Viking like Mr. G, perhaps, perhaps that things will go well. What are you saying? You're pointing. Lou that lived ne- lives next yes. to you, right? Yes. With the, with the late night phone calls and the Occasionally they're swearing and yelling. Questionable women. Listen, I wouldn't say they're questionable. Uh, I think they answer all the questions. One of, <laughs> one of them is how much. But other than that, no, I'm teasing. It's been a long time since that happened, yeah. truly. Um, he's, a, he's a, look, I can't. But it's he, weird he, how things change. It is because he's taken a beating on the show. Clearly he has taken a beating. I've, I've. Uh, worked him over body and head. There's no doubt. I've let him have it because his, his name originally was Lou, the racist bartender. That's who he was. And now we move on. And I can't wait to share that story with him, right? And he literally, he's literally saved my ass in, in like when my, when my car got wrecked, he's like, you need to ride anywhere. You tell me if I'm here, I'll take you. And he, he took me a couple times to return my Turo. He never, I didn't ask, I didn't fucking bother him. I wasn't, you know, he just happened to be leaving. And I was like, can you, because it was only like a couple yeah. miles away. Um, but, and also like, we've kind of grown over the years to where like, if I, if I get, cause sometimes I'm an idiot and I'll buy food and it's too much. Yeah. And, and I'll go, I'll knock on his door. I go, are you hungry? I go, cause I like got barbecue and I'm never going to finish it. And if you want it, you know, cause I can only, eat, cause I'll buy yeah. barbecue. And like, I, I don't like to eat barbecue leftovers for two days. Cause the smoke flavor, it's just like, you know, cause if I want barbecue, I want it once. Yes. And because I have a specific craving for barbecue and I can't the next day eat more barbecue, which yeah. is ridiculous. And then he, the same, same deal. He, uh, I told the story, he brought me shrimp scampi a couple yeah. of weeks ago and then I covered myself in shells. Um, but yeah, so he's, he's, he's just what? a neighbor. He's a good guy. Two is when you don't know your neighbors and you have one thing as a touchstone, you know, when we first moved in, somebody told me one of our neighbors uh, was dating a girl and wanted by the police and a possible <laughs> drug dealer and all of this. And I'm like, since then, every time I'm outside, he's like, hey, hi, nice to see you. And gets in a car and leaves. And I'm like, is this, I don't, past life, I don't, I don't understand because he just yeah. 
you Seems know, maybe nice. he could be Ted Bundy. I don't know, but he sure yeah. comes off like a nice kid. <laughs> well, I will. All right. I will. Again, I was in a relationship with somebody and I found out after the fact, like, cause I, I would always get the vibe. They would, I'd be like, how come, you know, we should go out. We should, does anybody yeah. want to go to dinner? Or anybody want to hang out? And she'd be like, no, I just want to hang in. And that's totally cool. And I was, I was, I was like, again, I didn't care. Cause I was like, yes, duh, whatever. I'm being led around by my fucking dick. And I was thrilled with it. I was happy to do it. But I would say, because I felt I was being a good boyfriend or whatever by saying, well, what about your friends? Does some, you know, you do the, you want to go down to the bar and have a drink with somebody or should we go down there or get, have some dinner? She'd be like, no, 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 that's fine. <laughs> um, and then I found out later, uh, that she had, been telling everybody what a terrible person I was and I was this bad I was bad and all these things and and it was because they people sometimes want to control the narrative about somebody yes absolutely. and you know and they want to make sure and also because then when when they <laughs> when things break bad the the, the people nobody will believe one another yep so like because she would tell me her friends were dicks and they were terrible and this one girl was a fucking like being paid for sex on a boat and like all this she would tell me these things um, and then she'd like put up a picture with them on, on, you know, social media. I'd be like, don't, isn't that the boat whore? Like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, and, and then it would make me go, why are you hanging out with the boat whore? Who else is on the boat? What's going on? You know, all that bullshit. So, um, so, but, so that's the thing though. Is, so then when I would find out stuff, you know, the boat hair, boat whore thinks I'm a, a, a serial cheater. Who's, you know what I mean? Who's fucking whatever. Yeah. So that's the thing is they seeds are planted. Yep. So I'm here to say this. I am I am tilling the yard and I'm pulling up all of the Lou the racist bartender seeds and I'm planting new Lou the competent bartender and great neighbor seeds. How about that? We're, we're cultivating that field. Uh, and uh, by the way, do you see that past a heap of compost over there? Mm-hmm. That's Mr. G Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> we need him. We need him to make this bartending ex- ex- extravaganza grow. Uh, but we'll do our best not to plunge our hand to do it too much because it's going to come out wonky and weird. Uh, so there you go. So I was doing that, which was totally fun. And, um, I, I haven't updated people in a while, uh, about, well, I haven't done anything in a while, um, about, uh, my car situation. Yeah. That's what I like to call it. I know that you got one and that was the last time we talked. Well, I haven't even talked about that on the show yet. Um, oh, spoiler. Sorry. That's fine. I, that's, that's, uh, cause I, <laughs> cause I wasn't, all right. I wasn't selling anybody because I was still looking, I was on CarMax. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, CarMax is, is ridiculous because they're, again, it's a nationwide yeah. company with a nationwide inventory, but unto- unfortunately it has a nationwide clientele. So I found a car that I really loved in Florida. It was a 2015 Camry. It only had 11,000 miles on it, but at the time my GoFundMe has was not even started. Like I hadn't even, yeah. and by the time I got it started and, and received dime one, someone had bought the, the Camry. And then I was kind of like, um, oh, I don't know what the fuck, you know, cause that was a really good one. It was a Camry, but I, cause I've been, look, I wasn't looking for anything fucking fancy or expensive yeah. or crazy. But like I said, if I was going to finance a car, I was going to get something good. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go ahead and buy some hunk of shit. Cause I, I there's a funny, there's a Chicago comedian. I'm not going to say his name, but he, he had a blog and he would notoriously, notoriously write his, he was like fucking Ed Norton. Like he would have these schemes 
that he was going to try to do. And he'd be like, oh, I, I, I'm going to go ahead. You know what I'm going to start doing? I'm going to travel the road and do stand-up. But on the Sundays, I'll stay there and sell spoons at the flea market. It's going to be great. I'm going to turn a profit. I'm going to find the best spoons in the world, all that. And you'd read it and you'd be like, you harebrained fucking idiot. <laughs> and then sure enough, a month later, oh, someone broke into my car and stole all my spoons. You know what I mean? Some fucking weird story. And you're like, okay, spoon man. So fucking one of the things he also did was he would buy shitty cars like notoriously bad under the guise of like, well, you know, it's just a road car. I'll ride it into the ground and we'll see what happens. Well, yes, you will. But the thing is you'll ride it into the ground in five weeks. You fucking (laughs) mouth breather. Like what the fuck is wrong with you? So he would do that. He would buy some fucking Chevelle, you know what I mean? Or some, you know, I found a Lincoln from 1965. It's fantastic. It only gets AM radio and I get to hear Sinatra all the time. Da da da. And then like three weeks later, it's like, Oh, my Lincoln's in a ditch. You know what I mean? (laughs) Whatever, buddy. He would always, and so he was notorious for buying shitty cars and then bitching about the shitty car and then having it blow up and then going, but I don't want to be held down by the ankle lock the, of a, of a car payment. So I'm, I'm free as the breeze. And then he'd find a fucking gremlin and he'd be like, you fucking idiot. What are you doing? And he'd drive a fishbowl for a month and then something bad would fucking happen. Oh, I was driving the other day and my steering wheel came off. It was all I could do to avoid sure <laughs> death. Always the story. So I'm not that. I was like, if I'm getting a car, I, I didn't want anything fancy, but you know what? I My last car was a Toyota Camry hybrid. Mm-hmm. I was looking at Toyota Camry hybrids or Toyota Camrys or Toyotas. And, you know, I, I could do a Prius. I didn't like, I don't like the room in the Prius. I think it's kind of small, but I wanted a Camry. That's what I wanted more than anything. I looked at Corollas. I looked at fucking everything, man. And I told you, I went, I even went to look at Hondas at people's houses and shit like that. But on CarMax, I was kind of exclusively looking through at Toyotas. So I would look every day. You know, at like 10 times a day, I'd pop in. Is anything new? What came up? And I had, you know, you, you can, it's fucking, it's Tinder for cars. You can put a little, you can yeah. swipe right and put a little heart on a car. So then he's your, he's your car. You, he's one of your favorites. Uh, and then I would go check my favorites and like three of them would be gone. And I'd be like, son of a fuck, you know, cause it wouldn't give you a price. And then it would say, uh, shipped to Pleasanton, Illinois or whatever the fuck. Um, so I, I was just trying to keep up and then I'm, I'm very lucky because people were very kind with the GoFundMe and I was doing well and making money and everything was going good. And I was like, all right, this increases the amount of down payment I can put down. And it also makes the idea of financing a car a lot more palatable. Um, Cause initially I wanted to just buy a car for a certain amount, but then as it started to come in, I was like, oh, you know what? I can make this work. Like I could, I could actually finance a car. And uh, the other thing is, you know, your, your credit score and all that kind of stuff comes into play. But I'm, I'm very lucky because like three years ago, I started fixing my credit score. It wasn't bad. Like I was shocked because I signed into it and I was like, I couldn't believe it was where, like it was as good as it was because I thought it was going to be like fucking 300 or some bullshit. Um, And it was fair. You know what I mean? So I was like, that's, I can work with fair. That's fine. And I did some research and I talked to some people and they're like, you should do this and this and this. So I got a credit card and I I started to do like little purchases and all that stuff. And I got another credit card and I, uh, for emergencies, which then immediately a week later I had dental work that was $2,500. So I had to fucking put that on the emergency card, uh, but then paid that and paid as much as I could down and down. And uh, my credit score was, was improving and improving. And then I don't even know how this happened, but like, like two weeks five weeks into the car extravaganza. So the first week of April, uh, I got, they doubled my limit on my credit card. Cool. They were like, yeah, they sent a letter and they're like, congratulations. Da, 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 da. 
And then I checked my credit score and my credit score went up like 85 points because of that, which was fucking Very ridiculous. Cool. Right in time to go ahead and finance a car. So I was like, all right. And then that with the GoFundMe, I was like, I can do this. So I started, again, I was on CarMax. I was looking and I gained more confidence. So I actually tried to get pre-approved on CarMax and it happened in three minutes. Like it was fucking ridiculous. Like I, I put it in and it came back and it said, absolutely, here's your terms. And, and it was for any car. Cause then, then you could now look at the site yeah. at any car with you, whatever your down payment might be. And they give you an APR for months and all that kind of shit. Yeah. And so I was like, this is fucking beautiful. I, I was so excited and felt real hope. Um, which, you know, conjoined with the fact that people were so unbelievably generous to me via the GoFundMe and reaching out also just through notes and telling me, you know, yeah. rooting for me. And people are so great. And I'm I'm embarrassed that I've it's I've I've come to this again and yet people still rally and I don't understand why. And again, makes- I said this before and I will say it again. People are paying you for what you've done. And instead of buying something one off, you're like, hey, I need to fund something. And people are like, oh, yeah, I'd love the show. Here's some money. It's it's it just is the way it is. Yes. People are people are nice. And and I don't I can never say that enough. You know what I mean? You care. Yeah. Everybody cares. I say it and I mean it. It's it's phenomenal. And uh, are, are there people who did not feel that way? There are not worth discussing, not worth discussing. Um, so I was looking for cars. And uh, I located a car that, it was a car in Texas. It was a, a Toyota Camry. It was a 2020 Camry. Oh, wow. It had, it had like fucking 19,000 miles on it. And uh, it was a lot of money. And I was like crunching numbers and trying to figure out how I could make that work. Um, but then when I heard you can get $25,000 tips being a bartender, I was like, I should pull the trigger on this. <laughs> um. But then there was another, there was another car in Texas that was, cause I was looking in the range of like 2015 to 2020, you know, I was going to buy a used car no matter what. Uh, and then there was like a, a 2016 Camry, uh, but it was silver ruled it out immediately. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't like silver cars, you know that, but if it was a good deal, I would have pursued it. But then there was a car and, and it was great. I loved it. It was another car. It was a Camry, but it was in Texas and it was a thousand dollars to ship it to California because that's the way it works with CarMax. Yeah. You can, you're literally, you can pay a thousand dollars to ship it. And then if you do a test drive and you don't like it, you're, you still paid a thousand dollars. So it's like paying a thousand, it's, it's this weird thing. Yeah. And it's like when I talked about that 2015 Camry in Florida, I don't know if I mentioned on here, I actually crunched the numbers about flying there and, and then driving it and possibly driving it home because yeah. It was it was so ludicrous. So then I, I was like, eh, this Texas car is a thousand. I don't know if I can pull the trigger. And then I found what I thought was a perfect car. It was in Florida. It was a 2017 Toyota Camry hybrid. It had 48,000 miles on it. And it was, no, it's it, the math works out. Okay. Um, like, cause again, it's, it's, it's six years. Yeah. It's been driven for six yeah. years, you know, okay, it's almost right. yeah. less than 10,000 a year, Yeah, you know, which is still good. I keep forgetting we're 2023 already. Right. Isn't that, you lost two years from the pandemic. I know. I'm exactly still in 2020. About. I know. I'm the same way. It happens all <laughs> the time. Um, But the way I looked at it was when I got the 2007 hybrid. Yeah. You know, I bought that in 2015. So that was an eight year old car with 60,000 miles on it. Yeah. 
So in my mind, I'm like, well, this is a six-year car with 48,000 miles on it. It's kind of exactly the same. Yeah. The only problem was it was $2,000 to ship it from Florida, which would bite right into whatever down payment I had. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ. And in my head, because look, man, I'm still trying to wrap my head around fucking getting a car without ever seeing it. You know what I mean? It's it's fucking insane. And, uh, And you call CarMax and they're helpful, but they're all like, like refreshingly inexperienced. Does that make any sense? Yes. Like they're, they're the blind leading the blind. Like they're, they're just a call center. They're a boiler room. They're not, you know, they're not some shyster in, in a fucking seersucker who's going, ha ha, I'll tell you what, let me get this in the true coat. They're not hustling you at all. All they're doing is processing your call and your paperwork. Yep. They assume, because if you get approved by CarMax, by the, you know, the thing online or whatever, yeah. they assume you're buying the car and you're good to go. So I, I would call and it was fucking, it was nice talking to them, but whatever. So I, I just, this Florida car was two grand to ship. And in my head, I thought, I thought about it. I thought about it for a day and a half. And I go, I can't, I cannot pay $2,000 to ship a car. I looked into fly in there and that, like I said, overall, it would have probably been about $1,200 to fly there and drive it back, staying in hotels three nights because it was on the fucking far East coast of Florida and down below. It was, uh, maybe Pensacola, I think. Uh, way, a little bit higher. Then it was way, it was down south and on the, um, uh, I don't, I don't remember where it was. I'll have to look it up, but it was, it was way like it was, you know, right, literally right where, right at the foreskin in the head. Like uh, down okay. In, in Hollywood or Daytona, not Daytona, but, um, it was the East Arizona. coast of Florida. Yeah. Like I said, right at the, if you, you imagine Florida, it was right yeah. at where the foreskin meets the head. Okay. okay th- that's where it was. Okay. Uh, it was, it's let's from, I, I know how distance because I, been, yeah. Because well, I put it on my phone. It was 2,700 miles from there to here yeah. to drive. So I was like, Jesus. All right. Well, maybe I could do that. Day and a half, I decided I couldn't. Uh, and then the next day I went, you know, because I said I was checking 10 times a day. I'm looking. I'm not kidding. The exact same car popped up in the Bay Area of California. It was the only thing different was the interior color uh, because the other one was it's blue uh, with with black interior. But this this car is blue with tan interior, but black dashboard, black steering wheel. But the seats and stuff are tan. It I was excited. So I was like, all right, well, it was only two hundred dollars to ship it. And I was like, I can fucking do that, especially because people were so extra generous with the fucking with the GoFundMe. Uh, I, I was like, let's do it. So I, I ordered it to be delivered. And then you're like, ha, ha, you're so excited. It's like Christmas. <laughs> and, uh, they're like, Hey, that's great. Uh, you know, we'll get it ready and it'll be shipped off. It'll probably be there in, in three to four days. And I'm just like, all right, that's cool. Six days later, <gasps> what? I had to call and I, I was following the, you know, they sent me an email that were like, it's ready to ship like two days after that. <laughs> And then I didn't hear from them. And, so, and again, like I said, it's weird not having a contact person. Mm-hmm. So I called and I'm like, look, I ordered this car and they said it's not here. And I'm like, oh, it looks like it's ready to ship. I go, I understand that. But like, you ever order anything from Amazon? They tell you it'll be there the 18th. And then yeah. they send you an email and they're like, it'll be here the 23rd. And you're like, what? Who's, who's handling my chili crisp? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> well, with this car, I just assumed they threw it on a fucking truck and they drove it down. Because again, I'm, I... And, and again, it gets into the larger picture of like when we discuss the bus, when you're like, you should take the bus. And I'm like, I'm not getting the bus. It doesn't take me where I want to fucking go. It takes me where the bus is going and I got to get off and somehow get to my yes. destination. Well, that's with this car. 
they don't it's my car bring me my car and there's like well we gotta bet it on a truck with a bunch of other cars no fuck you don't i don't want to hear this i'm just a bill yes i'm only a bill and i'm here on <laughs> capitol hill with a bunch of fucking other bills in line no i want my truck uh, my car on a truck and you bring it to me right now bring it right to my goddamn house and i'll be thrilled um <laughs> so one hell of an uber <laughs> yeah right uh so they they finally it gets delivered and uh and I, and I'm on the phone with them and, uh, I wasn't sure what the down payment was going to be, but in the interval between it coming, I made more GoFundMe money. So I had been approved at a certain APR, you know what I mean? Like I got approved and for a certain amount and what my monthly payments were going to be and all this. So I called them, uh, when it was, it had arrived and I said, Hey, look, I go, there's an issue. I go, because I think I'm going to put more down on this car. And, and I think that affects the thing. And, and the guy's like, well, he goes, you have these terms. And this, this was a kid again, they're, they don't know anything. Yeah. So he's like, we have these terms that you agreed to. And you know, these are good terms. I'm like, yeah, but, but I told the guy, this was like kind of a thing, a holding thing. I did it online with a number. And then I've spoken to people since when I ordered this to be delivered and said, I might be able to increase because again, the GoFundMe was getting increased. And so I was like, this is all going into the fucking car. So I, I, I told the guy, go, he goes, well, I can run the numbers again, but that's a risk. And I come from being poor. Yeah. So I'm like, wait, does that mean they want to, I didn't say this to him, but I go, does that mean that won't be approved now? Like, what if they run it again and I get, and I don't get approved? And I'm like, well, you were approved in three minutes. Like, what the fuck could have changed? You know what I mean? Is there, did, yeah. did they find out I'm me? That would suck. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> you feel like you're getting away with something. You know what I mean? When they haven't met me and they're like, yeah, we'll give you all this money and totally you can come get this car anytime you want. And it's like, that seems strange. Have you met me? <laughs> but I, I was ready to, I'm like, okay. I go, well, and I said, you know what, man? I go, because also I go, the, the months are wrong. Because I wanted to have a, I wanted to have a five-year note. And yeah. they had put it as a six-year note. Yeah. And I was like, no, I want a five-year note. And I, I might be putting a, a new number down. He's like, well, he goes again, like, I've seen this change before. You know, if you really want to do it, I said, yeah, I, you know, I think I do. I, I go, I want to run the new numbers with this much down in these months. Yeah. Yeah. And he goes, all right. He goes, because, uh, right, exactly. You have big bucks. Because there was, you know, I had a certain APR, you know what I mean? And it was in single digits which oh, was that's fucking amazing well i was excited right but then he's like he's like yeah this is a good deal like i don't know if you want to go again and i'm like i you know what i go because i'm definitely put, i want to see how much it is if i put this more this much down and get a different note whatever so he goes okay he goes let me run him he goes he takes all my info and he goes all right we're doing it he goes your fingers crossed and i'm like uh yeah i'm fine i go i you know i'm not a felon or anything but at the same time it'd be nice to get a deal but now he's scaring me into thinking <laughs> This is some shit that's going to fall through. And, and also in my brain, all I could think of was I paid $200 to tell them, to have them tell me, no, I can't even go drive the thing now. Right. So I, I, you know, you hear whatever whiz bang smoke comes out of the phone, whatever the fuck happens. And then the dude is like, all right, are you sitting down? And I'm like, yes. And I got to admit, I admire his game show <laughs> attitude because a lot of people are just kind of bored and plain, but he was like, ah, you're sitting down. He goes, I'm going to tell you something. He goes, uh, the biggest change I've ever seen was there was a guy who had a 28% APR and it went down to a 14% APR. And I was like, I was so excited for him when it happened. We like, we celebrated on the phone and I wanted to go, you sold a car to a guy 
and he had a 28 28% APR. Yeah. Holy fuck. And then yeah. I'm like, why am I worried for fuck's sake? They, a dead guy got a car here. <laughs> so he pulls the numbers. He goes, all right. He goes, are you sitting down? And I'm like, I'm sitting down. And he goes, all right, uh, Mr. Schmidt, you're going to be very happy. You made that change. And I said, oh, okay. Uh, and, uh, he's like, your AP, my APR went down three percentage points. Um, so it was, fuck, it was at nine. It was at nine and it went to six. That's amazing. And, uh, and I, and then in my brain, I'm like, did some credit, what happened? What's going on again behind That's the scenes? Like, that is like free money when you right? get a 3% drop. Yes. It was pretty crazy. I, yeah. I was shocked by it. And I, I was just, you know, I didn't, I didn't know. And I'm like, all right, so what do I do now? And he's like, well, if you, you know, if you, I can set up an appointment for you to come in and get the car and you can take a look at it and make sure it's okay. And I go, can I drive it? And he goes, well, yeah, he goes, but if you've already run these numbers and you have this qualification, like, and we already shipped it here, like, don't you just want to buy it? And I'm like, yeah, but I also have to see to make sure it's okay. He goes, well, you have the CarMax burnout, you have everything. And I said, okay, just make an appointment for me. I go, but I, but I get to look at it, right? I'm not committed to anything by saying I can come in and look at it. And he, he can tell my, I'm, you know, I'm hesitant because I'm, this is so easy. Like I had no idea it was going to be this fucking easy. It's scary when it's that easy because right? you think it's a trap. Yeah, because so, then I think, you know what it's like when they when the cops are like, hey, we got Super Bowl tickets, bring a gun in. And then they're like, ha ha, look at you. <laughs> the next thing you know, you're on a fucking crab ship. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that. So I'm like, all right, I don't I don't know what's going to happen here. So I, I went into the, to the fucking thing and uh, I sat down and they're like, we'll have somebody come out. And they go, okay, it was these numbers and these numbers and these numbers. I go, yeah. And they go, okay, we just sign. We're going to need you to sign like 11 things and. And I'm just, I'm signing and I had to call my bank too beforehand to tell them that I was going to be making a big transaction. Yeah. So I sat down and they're like, all right, so just, you can pay it electronically or you can do whatever. I go, do you want to check? And they go, well, you can, or you can just do it, you know, send a transfer over. And I'm just like, this is, this is weird. Like, I hate happening. transfers for that amount. Oh, I, well, I, so then I go to sign into Citibank into, or I'm sorry, into a bank that I use and I go to, <laughs> to fucking to see about making the transfer and, uh, it won't let me into my account. It's telling me it doesn't recognize my password. And I'm like, you've, and I, it's in my phone. It's, it's, it's face, it's face thing. And the only thing I think of was the gigantic smile I have on my face from buying a new car <laughs> for this ridiculous APR is letting them think, well, that's not the sourpuss we usually service. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm like, all right, well, what the fuck? So I, I, it wouldn't do it. So I literally had to, while she went to get paperwork, I had to change my password and hope that they would still let me make a big fucking transfer, even with a new password or whatever the fuck. <laughs> And, uh, and weirdly they did, which is not safe. That's not safe at all. All of a sudden, <laughs> but I did. And I, I made the transfer and then she goes, okay, well, do you want to see your car? And I'm like, I hadn't even seen it. I had not even seen the fucking thing because I said about driving it. She goes, well, you have 30 days to give it back. Yeah. She goes, you also have like a three day cooling off period where you could just say no. And she goes, you have a 1500 mile warranty. If anything breaks on it, we'll just, you know, we'll take it in. Yeah. It's fine. You're not really you could drive off today and come back Thursday and say, you don't want it. I was like, that's, this is, and again, you're looking for fucking Alan Funt and cameras. You're like, this is not <laughs> real. When you compare it to the shit I had to go through at fucking universal city Nissan. I, I mean, I would, I was there 11 hours once, you know what I mean? With them, you know, oh, we got to run it back to these guys. And they had the council of elders sitting in that real tall fucking bench. And I'm like, Jesus, fuck. <laughs> What the hell, man? And I did all this. This was all robots. This is all beep, bop, boop on the fucking computer. And I got a car. Like, what? How are you doing this? You guys are insane. 
Um, but maybe they just do so much business that they're able to fucking make that happen. So, mm-hmm. um, she goes, come on outside. We'll, you know, I will take a look. They're going to bring your car out. It's out there. I go outside. There's my car with a huge yellow ribbon on, on the hood, like hanging, like tied and hanging off of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, she goes, okay. And like three people come out of the office and they all clap for me getting my new car. Uh, ribbon on the hood and applause. And I, I, like, I weirdly got choked up like because it was this, because <laughs> it was the culmination of everything. Every, all of you guys being unbelievably kind and so nice to me. And this moment only happens because of you. And then to find that this was such a hassle-free process with people who were smiling the whole time. Nobody put me through the ringer. Nobody asked if they could put my balls in a vice. Nobody fucking just put my balls in a vice without asking. I mean, they just fucking, <laughs> they were just like, here you go. And then they all clapped and they went fucking, yay, yeah, Mike, woohoo, and high fives. And I'm like, this is fucking amazing. And she goes, here you go. She hands me the keys. And, uh, and I'm like, Jacqueline. And she goes, yes. And I go, now when... It, I didn't see the ribbon as uh, one of the one of the things in the sport package. Do I have to leave it on the hood, or how do I? <laughs> and she's like, "Oh my gosh, no! Okay, well, you know, and we took it off, which was nice." And uh, I got. They don't the car. let you keep it, do they? They didn't. She took it. She yeah. did take it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want the ribbon, man. <laughs> and I I got in the car, and again, I'd never been in it. It smelled like a new car, which was awesome. And I pivoted. I you get know, a. And, and it's so it's a 2017 Toyota Camry hybrid. And this one I should I forgot to even mention this has 4000 less miles than the one in Florida. That's fantastic. It's the exact same car as the Florida one except for the different interior which by the way is leather, which is great because then when I start Ubering I can actually just hose the vomit off my seats and have, <laughs> instead of having to completely scrum it up. It, this car comes with limited scrubbing people. That's what I'm here to tell you about. Um, And it's great. So I, I get the car and I drive it and it's it's a fucking spaceship. It has acceleration like I did not fucking expect. It's super fast. Uh, and it's it's um, it's an XLE or LX, LXE, whatever the fuck. It's got backup camera. It's got, you know, smart key like my other car had. It's got something called Entune. It's got, it's got all this. It's got every bell and whistle you could possibly fucking imagine. And, and again, because of you, thank you. You're, you're just the fucking best. Um, and it's, you know, it's got 40, I think it's got 44,000 miles on it. Okay. And so, and I got it, like I said, I got it for three day cooling off period or 30 days to return. So I call my mechanic because I want him to give it the once over, you know what I mean? And, um, and again, this isn't dive. It's the, it's the new mechanic. So, and he's like, yeah, man, bring it in. We'll take a look at it. So that what I couldn't get in there for like, they were closed for two days and I had to get in. So, uh, I made an appointment. And um, I, I will tell you this, when I had my other Toyota, I brought it to dive and uh, it was free. You know, he just looked at it from pillar to post and he's like, you're going to drive this forever. It's a fucking Toyota. Yeah. It's a great car. Uh, not as lucky at my new mechanic. Um, 155 bucks for an hour. It's an hour. Well, of I was going to say two bills. So actually yeah, yeah. it was cheaper than I thought. Yeah. It's because it's 150. But it's peace of mind. Exa- well, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's why I, because you got to do it. I mean, you can't not. Um. And so I, uh, you know, I, and I said, Hey, are you going to, how long is this going to take? He goes, it won't take long. I go, should I go next door? Cause he's next door to a, like a restaurant, like a diner. I go, I'll just go have lunch or something. He's like, no, that's cool. He goes, you can hang out, whatever you want to do. It should be over super quick. Uh, so I'm sitting there and they don't even put it in the bay for like 20 minutes. 
And then it takes, you know, it's uh, like I said, it's one hundred fifty five dollars for an hour inspection. And I know I don't even know what that includes because I don't know fuck all about cars. So he inspects it. He's looking. I'm sitting in the waiting room. I'm whatever the fuck going through my phone. And after an hour, <laughs> he goes, uh, Mr. Schmidt. Can you come here, please? Oh, that's not good. <laughs> it's right out of school, right? That is that is a phrase right out of high school. Mr. Schmidt, can you come here, please? And I'm, I'm in, and I went, I'm like, oh, please tell me they found a ribbon under the hood. Maybe there's another <laughs> ribbon that I didn't know about. And I walk over and he's got the hood up and he goes, uh, he goes, you see this? And I go, yeah. And he runs his finger through it. He goes, that's oil. He goes, you have an oil leak by the timing chain gasket. Oof. And I'm like, English, please. <laughs> He's like, well, no, you have an oil leak by the timing chain gasket. He goes, it doesn't doesn't look like it's a big one, but it's it's there, as you can see. And he ran his finger through the oil. It's on his finger. Yeah. And he goes, and um, look down here. Can you see? And it was like the radiator had pink liquid in it, you know, like whatever the fuck that yeah. is. And uh, but underneath it, you could see there was pink liquid underneath it on the on the frame of the car. Ooh. He goes, you have a radiator leak, too. And I, I just go, what? I go, I can't buy this fucking car. And he goes, well, that's why you brought it to us. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, all right. I, and dudes, I, I just, I've said it before. I just wanted to crawl under all of the coats at that. Cause again, it had been since March, March 1st. So now we're looking, it's, it's been eight, like seven weeks, almost seven and a half weeks without a car. Or I, I just furious. I, I, and I don't know what the fuck to do. And then in my brain, all of a sudden, all of the haunted shit comes back where I'm like, that's why it was so easy. That's why it was so fucking easy. They gave you this fucking piece of shit and it's fucking ready to fucking fall apart. And now it's the blues mobile. And you're going to be lucky to even get out of this fucking parking lot because I have <laughs> that fucking spiral head yeah. where I don't even know what the fuck's going to happen. So I go, I, and I've got, an, I go, can I drive it home? And he goes, yeah, it's not, it's not bad. It's not, you can see there's none pooling under the car. He goes, but it's just leaking by the timing chain. You can see it. Yeah. And I'm like, fine, fuck. I, I go, what do I do? And he's like, I don't, I don't know. I go, well, I can't buy this car. And he goes, that's why you get brought it to us. I, you know, and I said, yes, okay. So I left and I got in the car and I pulled over and I called CarMax instantly. And I'm like, look, yeah. I, there's an oil leak in this fucking car. And, uh, you know, about the transmission. Yeah. And the radiator. And, and they were or like, the oh, so, so now, they're refreshingly inexperienced becomes woefully inexperienced because they don't know what the fuck to do. They're just like, Oh, okay. So what, what would, what would you like? And I go, I don't know. Should I give the car back? Do I not? What do I do here? I go, you tell me you sold me a car that has an oil leak and a fucking radiator leak. And they're just like, can you hold, you know what I mean? Cause then they got to go with the people who know shit. So I'm going to ask a question. I know you're telling a story. That's fine. They gave you three day cooling off period. Yes. 30 days to return it and there's a 1500 mile warranty of some sort yes so there are three options here is yes. what i'm seeing somehow to okay all right yeah and the the main main options are i can give them the car back yeah cancel the whole transaction or i can bring it to them to fix i think okay you know at the time i don't know yeah so she comes back and she delivers exactly those two options okay she goes, well all she right. goes if you, if you want to cancel the transaction that's fine she goes, but you can also go ahead and schedule uh, an appointment with service if you want. And I said, all right, well, let me call you back. So I went home and um, 
you know, I called a grown up that I know because <laughs> I need an adult. Uh, and I call my buddy Dennis and I'm like, Hey, you know, I got a question and I fortuitously for me, which I did not know he's purchased five cars with CarMax. Oh, cool. He's like, I've dealt with them. And I go, okay, well I just did this. And this is what I go. Have you ever had any problems? He goes, never, not once. I go, okay. Well, here's what happened to me. And I explain everything. And he goes, well, he goes, that kind of shit happens with a used car. I go, yeah, but I'm giving them a chunk of money and I'm not going to drive a car with an oil leak. I, and he goes, so let them fix it. I go, fine. I go, so that's what you would do. I go, you would just let him, he goes, I go, you wouldn't be taken aback by this. The fact that, you know, you, you were approved for a car, you got it. And all of a sudden there's an oil leak and a radiator leak. And he just goes, no, he goes, this happens and they'll fix it. And that's fine. You're done. He goes, and I've, I've bought five cars from them. I would buy five more. He goes, I, I, I find the process to be perfect and I've never had a problem. And I was like, all right. I, and I, I still wasn't sure. Um, and I should tell you, this happened a couple weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. So okay. I, I called CarMax and I said, all right. And I, oh no, I apologize. Before I called them, I went on the website and I started to look for another car. And there was no car as good as this one. There was no Camry with the same bells and whistles. There was no, it was not, there was nothing that was close. Again, we're getting into the shipping price again. Yeah. We're getting, you know, and, and it's funny because for me in my brain, I'm like, well, I wonder if they'll cover the shipping then because this is their mistake. And it's like, no, that's part of the reason it's so easy is they'll just yeah. take it back and you can start from square one. Yeah. They don't want, they don't, they're not like we need you as a customer. They want you as a customer. Yeah. And they'll help you, but they're not going to fucking, you know, bend over backwards now to go, here's your free money and here's another car. And so I went on the website and I looked and I saw nothing. And again, if it wasn't, if it wasn't bad, because even my mechanic goes, it's not bad. He goes, it's just happening. And, you know, you got to get it taken care of. And so I called them and I said, you know what? I think I'll bring it in for service. And they said, okay, um, you want to make an appointment? And they transferred me to the service department. And I said, yes. And the appointment was in 10 days. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. And I said, look, I go, I, I can't drive a car with an oil leak for 10 days. I just, I fucking can't. And they're like, well, you can try one of the other CarMaxes. So then I tried the one in Canoga and it was 12 days. Jesus. And I, I wasn't going to go down to fucking Pico or any of that shit. So I'm like, what am I going to do here? So the woman in Canoga was incredibly friendly and helpful. She goes, yeah. She goes, we'll take it in. We'll see you, you know, on, on May 3rd, I think it was. And I was like, I, I, man, I can't. I said, I, I go, that's so long away. And she goes, well, that's okay. I go, she goes, we'll give you a loaner. I because I said I can't drive it around for ten days with an oil leak. She goes, well, we'll give you a loaner, just drop it off. And the other place didn't say that. And I was like, seriously? She goes, yeah. And I go, okay. Well, look, I I made the appointment there, but then I called back Burbank and I said, hey, can I get a loaner from you guys? They go, oh yeah, of course. And so I was like, wonderful. When can I bring it in? They go, bring it in whenever you want. Um, but then you have to fill out an envelope and drop it in the service dot with your keys and whatever the fuck. Yeah. So I showed up with my car and, uh, <laughs> I, I filled out the thing and they go, yeah, your loaners around the corner there. And they gave me a 2020 Corolla hybrid. Uh, and they go, just fill out your envelope and drop it in the service thing. Cause there's nobody in service today. So we can't even unlock the door. I said, great. Uh, so I filled out the, the envelope that you got to put your keys in. And I was like, all right, it's this. They said, you can see me early, whatever. Blah, and I locked it and I put it in the drop. And it, right when it dropped and the door closed, I went, all of my stuff is still in my fucking car, uh, including my clicker to get into my apartment complex. 
<laughs> Which you may recall, I also left in the rental car I got from Turo like a month ago. I got to tie this. I got to flavor flavor this thing around my fucking neck, right? So I go in and I go, look, I go, I apologize. I literally just dropped the envelope of my keys and I have stuff in my car. I have to get out. She goes, oh, well, there's nobody in service. I go, I understand that. I go, but there's no way to even get in there. And she goes, I don't think there is. And I go, I can't get in my apartment unless you do this. I, go, I literally can't get into my house, uh, which is hyperbole, but enough of hyperbole where I was hoping it led to lighting a fire under her. Uh-huh. And again, it's that thing where, hold on a second. And then she disappears into the back. And then uh, she comes back and she's like, yeah, they're telling me they're not sure if they can do it, but they're checking and we're going to find. And I'm like, I'm please. I just, I understand. I go, but I'm already, I bought this car. I had it a day or two days. Now I'm dropping like now I'm sob storying her. I'm ready to cry. She's like, I understand they're working on it, sir. I'm so sorry. And as she's talking, a woman comes from the back and has my keys in my hand. She goes, here you go. And, uh, and so I went over, popped my, literally popped my trunk and grabbed everything out of it and then grabbed the clicker and closed it and then had to refill out the fucking envelope and drop it and then zipped off in my Corolla, which by the way, my Corolla, this 2020 Corolla, I, don't, I, I my ex bought a Corolla in 2015 yeah. and, uh, it, it was, it was good. But also in 2015, I weighed a hundred pounds less. So it was fine. I fit in it fine. Everything yeah. was great, but it still was kind of small, certainly compared to my Camry. So sure enough, they give me a Corolla. I'm like, Oh man, this is going to be a fucking nightmare. But the, Corolla I drove in 2015 is not your 2020 Corolla. I get in the 2020 Corolla and it's, as, it's maybe an inch smaller than my 2007 Camry. Wow. Like I have the, the leg room, the knee room is right. It was great. I mean, like I fit in it perfectly. It was, it was really good. The only thing was because it's a Corolla, it's like a toy. You drive and it rattles. Everything seems kind of loose and funky and cheesy and plastic and all that. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just not what I was looking for. And also I had to listen for a fucking for eight days to or nine days to fucking local radio because there was no, you know, it wouldn't read my fucking app, my Spotify or anything. So I had to fucking, so I programmed all the fucking things and dudes I've heard when doves cry 11 times in fucking eight days. And I'm never, I'm not even in the car every day. Every time I would start the car. Earth 101? Uh, all of them. I heard it on 94.7. I heard it on K Earth 101. And I heard it on uh, 1023 possibly. Um, crazy. I mean, I just, I, over and over, over and over. And Jack I very FM. rarely listen, but I, I do remember the last time I had it on, it played. Yeah. And Jack <laughs> FM. And, and like, they'll just play. It's so fucking weird. And, and also Foo Fighters. I, death by Foo Fighters would be a good way to describe the last week. Like I almost fucking, <laughs> I could have fucking killed myself. And I like the Foo Fighters and I love Prince, but holy fuck, man. And also... I had to take Lenny to the airport one morning. Morning radio is still <laughs> the same. Like it's still Worse. Lily. It's still the same. It's awful. It's still it's three it's awful. people making up stories about fucking emails and shit that they got. And they're just like, you know, Oh, we, we got a letter from a woman who said that her husband named her, you know, like, but it wanted to name their baby, uh, you know, cold 45, <laughs> you know, all the dumb shit, the shit that I participated in when I first moved to town. Um, or and all that over laughing at stuff and just oh my fucking god and it was I was listening to it just because it was it was that thing where you're like this isn't real is this really happening yeah. like I couldn't and even I hopped stations on the hip hop station there was this dude and he's like uh, they're like Ray J is your favorite human being alive he's like I love Ray J and they go all right if you had to rank all the human beings like if you had to have your top five human beings who would you have 
And they're, they're like, he's like, well, I, I don't, and they go, well, Ray J, right? And he was like, yeah, Ray J for sure. And then he chose, he chose, listen, man, this dude has got the choice of anyone who's ever lived. Anyone who has ever lived. And he chooses Ray J. And he chooses Kobe Bryant. And he chooses LeBron James. <laughs> and then he, he chooses Tupac. And then he chose Future. And in my brain, I'm just like, no Nelson Mandela? Like, I mean, like, not even, <laughs> you not, even one, even one of them, even Martin Luther King, even one, Malcolm X, even one of those great historical figures, just seamlessly slide them in there right between LeBron and Kobe. That's fine. I mean, let them, Kobe's the small forward, LeBron's the power forward, and have Malcolm X at center. Whatever you got to do. Uh, I personally would bench Ray J, but Ray J was the start of the whole conversation. But it was fascinating to me that he, that was his choice. Ray J's really in his top five favorite people of all time. Uh, so I'm driving around listening to that radio, and then finally uh, they go to fix my car this week on uh, on Monday. Uh, or last week, I should say, last mm-hmm. week. And um, I fucking, I wait, and I they call me at like noon, and they're like, hey, uh, so you want us to look at your car, right? And I go, yeah, it's got, I go, I sent you my mechanics report. I go, because of this, the radiator and everything is, and uh, the guy goes, okay, well, our mechanics tested it this morning and there are no leaks anywhere. They said that the oil is just condensation or sweat from actually having filled the oil crankcase. And that same with the radiator, it was just spillage from them like topping off the radiator. I was like, that, Sounds ridiculous. <laughs> the guy goes, I know, it's weird, right? And I go, yeah. He goes, but they've run every pressure test. They've done everything they can. They've looked. There's no leaks. I go, okay, but it's the timing belt chain gasket. He goes, okay, that's what it says on your report. I go, yes, the timing belt chain gasket. And again, I, I go, and I even said to the guy, look, I don't know what the fuck that means. I have no idea what it is. <laughs> I just know my mechanics that there's a leak, but oil leak by the time. He goes, yeah, they were there and there's oil there, but it's just, it's from, from filling it. He goes, it's not... It's not a leak. I go, can you have them look at it again? I go, I will send you the mechanics report. And he actually has photos of the, of the stuff. And he's like, great. So we were on the phone and I sent him the thing. And he goes, there's no photos of the timing belt chain gasket. There's only photos of the radiator. And I'm like, oh, you're right. I go, I don't know. I go, but there was oil. He ran his finger through it. There was, he had oil on his hands. And he goes, yes, it was, it was just condensation and sweat from the engine. It's just, he goes, they're saying it's nothing. And I go, you got to have them do it again. I go, I don't, I'm, if I'm going to make yeah. this purchase of this car, you have to do it again. He goes, all right. He goes, you know what, Mr. Schmidt, great. And he goes, I totally understand. And super nice guy, really cool. And he put me on, you know, he let me go out. He goes, I'll call you back. And uh, he's like, I'll call you when we're ready. And I went to sleep because I had driven Lenny to the airport and I only had like two hours of sleep. And I woke up and there was an email or voicemail. And uh, he's like, hey, Mr. Schmidt, your car is ready to pick up. Um, I had our master technician run it and there's no leaks. We didn't do any work to your car because there are no leaks in your car and we will give you documents that say so. I said, okay. Well, I didn't say, okay. Cause I'm talking all voicemail, hmm. but I'm like, all right. So, uh, so now I'm, I'm, I'm torn from a few, for a few reasons. One, do I believe these guys who were dumb enough to sell me a car sight unseen? <laughs> Uh, do I believe my mechanic who charged me $150 for nothing? 
You know what I mean? Like I, I don't, because my mechanic is, this is a guy I've been seeing for a year. He's the new yeah. guy, but they've been there 30 years. My friend's been seeing him for 20, trusts him implicitly. And I, so I don't, I don't know, man. So they're like, you can come pick it up whenever you want. And I went and picked it up and, um, you know, go in, drop off the loan or give them the keys. They bring me outside. They give me my key and I had to walk up the ramp and I drove it and it, I, I just want my car. I just want my car to drive and not to worry. Like, you know what I mean? Just to have it. Yeah. So it's mine. So I'm driving and I'm like, I was like, should I go to the store? And I was like, oh, maybe I'll stop and get something to eat. But it's that thing where like my car smells so new. I don't even want to have a taco in it because I don't want it to, <laughs> you know, I don't want it to smell yeah, like fucking tacos or any of that shit. So I'm like, just go home, man. You got food at the house. It's totally fine. I'm like, all right, cool. And it's only, it's only like seven miles from my place. Right. So, uh, I take the 170, I get off at Magnolia and I go, you know, to go toward my house and, uh, I turn off Magnolia and in my brain, I'm thinking about where should I go? Should I stop here? Stop here? No, I'll just go home. And I'm driving and I go, I left my clicker in the 2020 Corolla. <laughs> Literally. I had that, I was, and I looked, because I looked up at the visor and I went, you fucking idiot. And uh, I decided to do a U-turn. I did a U-turn, got right back on the freeway and drove right there. And I called them and I go, hi, I, this is probably no surprise. I've left something in the car. Um, and they were like, all right, well, just tell us when you're here. We'll, we'll have it for you at the desk. And uh, there was no parking. So I parked right out front and I walked in and it was the same woman who had helped me previously, who had run the check on the thing. And I go, hi, I'm very smart. And I left a, a clicker in my, in my car and she goes, what car? And I go, the loaner, I just returned with you literally seconds ago. Like, I, and she laughed and she goes, I don't, oh, okay. Yeah, no, it's the silver Corolla. I go, yeah, it's right out front. She goes, okay. She goes, well, if you wait a second, I'll get, try to find the keys and I'll come out and I go, whatever we need to do. I'm very sorry. And as we're talking, a woman rushes from the back with it in her hand. She's like, oh, hold on. I grabbed it for you. And it's like, oh my gosh, thank you. Uh, and the thing is you have to hand it to me. You can't. You can't let me pick it up. You can't <laughs> drop it somewhere. You literally have to hand it to me at this point because I will never remember it. I, again, I need a Flavor Flav chain with my clicker around my neck. And fucking sure enough, I, so I go outside and uh, I get in my car, put the clicker on there, and and I, I came home. And now I've been debating. This is just two days ago. I've had it now. And I... The, the debate I'm having now is do I go back to my mechanic and pay him another $150 to take a look at the car or do I just rely on the CarMax paperwork that says that everything's fine? I don't know. Did the CarMax people give you paperwork that shows that they ran the tests and there's no leak and there's no this and there's no that? Yes. It says zero charge, zero repairs, no leaks. Everything's been run by the master technician. It says it right on the paperwork. Okay. So I would call my mechanic and say, I think you owe me $155. I, I thought of that too. I'm not kidding. I, in my brain, I was like, but, but that's not. But, but the reality but, is I would call my mechanic and say, this is what they came back. Is that possible that it's overflow? I, I will ask him that. But the thing is, I would never, I did think about asking for the money back. I did. Yeah, I, or, I or applying that money to another inspection. But also in my brain, I would never do that because he did yeah. the work. They did yes. the work. He just happened to maybe misidentify. Well, no, because I mean, here's how I look at that. When I go to the doctor and they're like, well, we didn't catch that in this, that and the other thing. And I'm like, but did you test for it? Because that's why I'm here. Um, 
that's where I have the problem when people are like, I missed something or I misdiagnosed something. I'm like, well, we were specific looking for this and you screwed up. So my question is, I would call him back and say, could that be the overflow that they say it is? And, you know, and then I would say that I would also I, I would also do a little research to find out if they didn't repair it and they did lie to you and they don't have exactly what it needs and you find out that it has a leak later that has to be repaired. Because, again, if they just certify there's no leak and then you come back and go, there's a leak, I don't know what they're going to say. Right. I, I, I don't know. That's what I said. I don't know. You're kind of in in everybody I've spoken to trusts them implicitly and enjoys doing business with them. I have no idea. My friend trusts his mechanic. And again, I'm sure the mechanic did the things he needs to do, but it just sounded, this sounded weird to me when he kept saying, and again, because keep in mind, you know, the people I talk to are not experts. And in, in my opinion, the guy, yeah. John, I spoke to in service, I think he was the service manager. So he might've known something. Yeah. But he kept telling me it was natural condensation and sweat on the engine. I said, it was oil. He ran his finger through it. He goes, yeah, but that's from, the condensation it was and, I, and then in my brain i wanted to go so this is engine grime fine but why didn't you clean the engine grime off the engine when you sold it to me you know what i mean well what what i think could have happened is they did overfill it and it well, sat during the trance yeah you know. or just or just mist filling it you know what i mean made yeah. it drip some on the side yeah which i get but I, the timing chain cover gasket seems very specific. It does not seem, that doesn't seem like a thing you just lob at the fucking dartboard. If yeah. he says there's a leak coming from the timing chain cover gasket, that seems like there would be a leak coming from the timing chain cover gasket. What the fuck do I know, though? I would have a conversation with the mechanic before I do anything else and say, I don't doubt that you saw this, but could this be that when they're telling me that they ran pressure tests? Yeah, I'll call him. I'll call him. I'll call him. I don't want to, you know how badly I but, don't want to But here's them. the thing, you I don't want, want to do talk it fast to because you only have how many days left? No, you know what I want? I want wee, <laughs> wee, I have I a car, wee, I don't want any of this other bullshit. I don't want to march back and forth between fucking guys with, literally, I'm, I'm, I'm nobody. I, I'm, I'm marching between guys with knowledge that I could never obtain. Literally, it, it's just like this, I'm pushing a Sisyphusian stone up from one mechanic down to the fucking CarMax and try and they're all going to give me the same fucking bullshit answer. And I don't know. I you're right. I have to call them and I have to ask. I don't want to. I want to just be like, we No, but you got to do it fast before you run out of time. Well, I, I'm not going to run out of time because it's 30 days from the time I took possession it counts yesterday. You know what I mean? So or, or six days ago when you signed the paperwork, you have 30 days from that. Yeah, but maybe. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. If you want to have them take a look at it again and they're going to make you wait 10 days, you're going to be fucked if they time you out on the clock. Yeah, I'll, well, I'll make sure of all that before. Because I yeah. will say this, too. Like, I asked if they could reimburse me for the, the, the inspection by my mechanic, and they said, no, that wasn't a thing. They also said if I buy the – because the manual didn't come with the car – and they were like, if I buy it online, they'll reimburse me for it. So I did. I bought it online, but I didn't bill them for it yet to, to well, show you it to should them. immediately. I will. Well, I was, but I was, you know what? It was between friends. It was between me and Jacqueline and three applauding employees and a yellow ribbon. And I was like, I'm, you know what? I'll forgive them this manual. I'm totally happy. Charlie's Angels work there? I think they may have. Yeah, possibly. Jacqueline. And Sabrina. And <laughs> Kate. Kate and Farrah. Um, <laughs> no, with my luck, I got, because you know what? I, that's a very good analogy. This was the Charlie's Angels of buying cars because I have spent fucking decades dealing with the Bosleys of buying cars. <laughs> and I was finally able to be held in the loving embrace of the three angels this time. 
So thank you, everybody. You bought me a car, and I'm thrilled about it, and I'm going to be a bartender and all this other cool stuff. Look at us. Look at us changing the world. Um, and we'll see. But I right now i got to call them again and see whatever the fuck. But right now I'm in possession of a car that I think is mine, and that's all because of you guys. And you are amazing, and I'm constantly, and I, again, I say talk is cheap because that's what I deal in. And it comes easy to me, but I don't ever want you to think that the fact that I'm talking comes easy to me means that I don't mean it. And I'm honored and I'm humbled that you people would step up and do whatever you could to fucking bail me out once again. And you're the best. And I love all of you. Uh, And I love you. Thank you for hanging out with me. I love you too. All right. And uh, yeah, you got time for plugs? I do not, unfortunately. Oh, all right. Well, that's okay. You know, I get I get a preamble. We did the preamble last week. I get another preamble to do this week. So yeah, it's um, it's been long going to Vegas and coming back and all this stuff with the work and I have a new job and I'm I am not sure I am long for working. Really? Let me let me ask you something. They got a bar over there. <laughs> they don't, but they might. Put it in. Get me over there. Look at the two of us shaping things up over there at the fucking fish house. Uh, all right. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. And congratulations on, on the car. I'm excited. I'm very, very happy about it. And hopefully I get good news from my mechanic and we'll see going forward. And, uh, and yeah, I I'm excited. I'm thrilled. And thanks to everybody out there again, who made it possible. You're the best. All right. Talk soon. Talk soon.